no more room in hell. The dead will start a podcast. And welcome to uh, No More Room in Hell, number 44. This is Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. And I'm looking at Venom uh, on the new Skype background. It looks like it's in beta and uh, all sorts of new cool graphics and stuff. So, Venom, how are you doing? Greetings and salutations, campers. Um, our, your counselors for today will be uh, Mike, myself, and Derek. So if you have any questions and, you know, what plants not to rub on your private parts, just let us know and we'll take care of that for you. All of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then moving right along to the next co-host, Derek, what's up? How are you doing? <laughs> That's a familiar giggle. I've always suspected Derek had a twin. <laughs> I'm good, Michael. <laughs> Sweet. So, uh, yeah, this is episode number 44, and uh, we're going to be talking a couple uh, movies out in the woods. Um, I, I, I wanted to, or I kind of like came up with the name Deliver Us from Deliverance Volume 1, because really these movies are a couple that come in the wake of Deliverance. Although, purely coincidence that I, I paired these two particular, because there's a lot from that well you can draw from, but... I, I think a happy coincidence happened with the pairing of these two. It's one from, I believe, what, 77 and 81. And I think, um, like I said, by pure coincidence, the two I picked, you get to kind of see where Deliverance's influence starts to, or it, it definitely is um, influencing one of the movies, whereas just because of other cinema that happens between the time period of these two movies being made, the, the influence the influences kind of uh, shift with the second feature. Um, and, you know, we'll be re- uh, discussing them in chronological order, but those movies are rituals from 1977 and just before dawn from 1981. And uh, that was just kind of like a brief intro into them, but I'll get into much more of, you know, why I said all that once we uh, talk our main features. But, um, yeah, if, if anyone's seen deliverance, they would probably be familiar with kind of the setup of these but uh yeah so uh that's how uh we're going to end our episode this time so um look for discussions on those or listen out for them later on but first uh we're gonna do what we always get into here and talk uh nba playoffs that's what we always do right now. No, I'm just no. kidding. But uh, they, the playoffs are going on, and MLB did start, so we're like back into sports season again. I guess it never quite it never quite goes away, but we're like back into like the uh, big time sports month of April. Um, but I think I'm the only baseball fan 
of, of the cast anyway. And the A's are probably not going to have a good season. So, What's baseball? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So okay. <laughs> I'll have to have a, like a side episode explaining the ins and outs of baseball that probably no one will listen to but me. Yeah, you uh, and Moots <laughs> can do your baseball podcast on another day. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what can I say? Uh, I was like, well, do I have anything else to say in the intro? Not really. Uh, I did go see uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Fantastic movie. Um, not horror though. So it's like I, I was like, I don't really have an outlet to talk about some of these non-horror movies at the moment, um, especially new ones. But uh, that one was freaking incredible probably my favorite movie of the year so far um, you much. know yeah. yeah not taking into account the genre or anything which really that's kind of a hybrid mix-up of genres anyway so eh, i'd uh, call it sci-fi overall yeah i think that's what's heavily influencing yeah. the most yeah i was a little i was a little worried because it technically opened last week i believe and uh that's why i thought i didn't I didn't even see it on like the coming soon categories of like local listings. So I was a little worried, but um, luckily it, it opened on more screens this week. So I was able to go and see it. And it was, it was magical venom. It was magical. Eight to four will not be denied. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I, I guess we can get into the official, what we watch segment. So venom, I'll take it to you first. So what do you got for us? All right. Well, uh, for once, differing from the last few episodes, I actually did watch some new stuff this week that wasn't for Fresh Cuts. So I actually have some stuff to talk about. The first one I'm going to talk about actually is a little bit older. I think Mike already brought it up in what we've been watching um, a couple episodes ago. But it's one that I wanted to bring up because I, I was a little late to the party on this one. And I ended up actually kind of enjoying this movie. And this is... um. <laughs> One of the few Shutter releases that I'm actually very happy with in 2022. We'll expand on that in a little bit. Uh, and this is Slapface. Um, <laughs> this, yeah, this is a silly little horror movie. Um, but let me tell you something. If you have ever been bullied in your life, either by friends at school or family members, this movie is an absolute guilty pleasure. I I had a blast with this movie. There is a scene in this movie. Uh, The basic premise of the movie is a boy deals with the loss of his mother by creating a dangerous relationship with a monster rumored to live in the woods. So that's a nice brief synopsis on um, IMDb for that one. But the the, the scene in this movie that sold it to me was um, uh, probably about halfway through the film. There's a scene where the boy and his proverbial monster, I won't say what it is for sake of spoilers, but... Uh, where basically they're in the house uh, trashing his house, but they're doing it in such a gleeful way. Like they both have smiles on their faces. There's like a great little jaunty song playing in the score and just something about it. It, it, It's literally the personification of living with your demons. Like if I, if I've ever seen the phrase living with your demons put on film, this is it. I absolutely loved it. Um, Like I said, it's not going to speak to everyone. Uh, I I don't think everyone is going to gravitate towards this. In fact, I've heard a lot of people speak negatively about it, and that's fine. I'm not going to sit here and say it's a spectacular must-watch film. But all I can say is is that if you've ever had bullying in your childhood, in your background, um, you know, male or female, doesn't matter, 
Um, I, I would recommend this movie. It, it definitely has that guilty pleasure sense. It's got that petty uh, mentality to it that I, of course, anyone who listens to my shows knows that I am vindictive and petty as all hell. And this movie kind of speaks to that. So, um, so yeah, that's slap face. Uh, it's labeled here as 2021. It was a 2022 release in the States on shutter. If you have a shutter subscription, I, and you, and you're looking for maybe, maybe not quite a shut off your brain, but a movie that still does have a message, but it's not slapping you in the face with it. And even if you don't care about the message, it's a mildly enjoyable uh, movie. I, I thought the creature design was decent for our, you know, proverbial monster. Um, I, I'm and I'm OK with the ending. The movie just it, it's quietly a good movie. Let's just say that it's one of those movies that kind of came and went with little fanfare. But I actually enjoyed the hell out of it. So um, Derek, uh, Derek, Mike, uh, I, I know Mike saw Slapface since he's the one who brought it up before. But Derek, have you had a chance to see it yet? I have not. But that's good to hear. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, like I said, it's like a, it, it's definitely not. It's not you know um, rewriting uh, history. It's not changing um, any you know horror tropes necessarily. I mean, it's not the most original thing I've ever seen by any stretch of the imagination, but what, for whatever it's worth, it just spoke to me. It it just, it spoke to me in a way that left me with a smile when the movie was all said and done. Um, You know, I mean, who doesn't like watching bullies get their comeuppance in a film anyway? I mean, that's something that we all, I'm sure secretly enjoy. So yeah, check it out. And Mike, I know you saw it, so you could probably reiterate what you thought of it. Yeah, I'm going to pull the big swerve on you and say, um, actually, I think you're confusing that with the movie that I saw, The Seed. I, I haven't seen Slapface, actually. Oh, I thought you saw Slap. I thought you brought Slapface to the table. My bad. No, nah, it was The Seed, but they both have an S, so I mean, I could see why. Because <laughs> if you haven't seen The Seed, then maybe when you saw Slapface, you were thinking that's what I said. But Potentially, yeah. So the thing is, like, I remember when Slapface popped up on on the, like the main feature page. And I think like I was going to, you know, uh, it, it was one of the, the situation where it's like, okay, I'll add it to the list of things I need to see. And then it seemed like a reaction to it was kind of like lackluster. So it just kind of got pushed further down the list. But I, but, but now that more time has gone by, I'm actually now hearing some people actually like it. So I'm like, okay, well now I do need to go see it or not yeah. go, but you know what I mean? Yeah, like I said, it's not the most action-packed horror film. It's not going to blow your mind by any stretch. But if you just go in, especially if you go in in a good mood and just, you know, looking for something a little whimsical. I mean, it's not I'm not going to I'm not saying that the movie is whimsical necessarily. It's not a family movie by any stretch of the imagination. Very solidly an adult horror film. But there's a certain whimsy to it because of the kid and, you know, because of the way that he acts after he finds his, you know, little monster protector, if you will. It just uh-huh. I, I found it enjoyable as hell, like a really sweet little story. You know, you get some people who, you know, get their comeuppance, some people who maybe don't deserve their comeuppance who end up getting them anyway. But blah, blah, blah. It, it, like I said, don't don't expect much. But if you're. You know, especially if you're kind of underwhelmed with what Shudder's been putting out this year, then I, I'd say Slapface is worth your time. It's a short one, hour and 25 minutes, so it's not a long watch. And like I said, it's a cute little movie. Aww. <laughs> we could all use a little cute little movie. <laughs> My little pony. What? <laughs> all right, Derek, what's up for you? Speaking of shitty movies on Shudder. 
<laughs> I watched the movie Death Valley. <laughs> Did you guys see this one yet? Yeah, we reviewed that one on Fresh Cuts. <laughs> Man. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll give a little synopsis for the listeners if they haven't seen it. It's a shittier, low-budget version of Doom. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> but shittier acting and not no rock in it. Yeah, we all know what a great actor The Rock is. Hell yeah. So that tells you a little bit of what you need to know <laughs> for Death Valley. Uh, I think the only thing I liked about Death Valley was the creature design. But that's I, what I was gonna, Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The creature is the best part of the movie. Yeah, that's about it. It's about the only thing to pull out of that movie enjoyable. And it's uh, so ge- generic, too. With the, it's... Like, fucking, the action scenes with the slow-mo, it's like, ugh. Like, that's so, like, 2002. Yep. <laughs> oh, man, this movie Yeah, is there's hot. no need to do that in movies anymore. Especially for these types of movies. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, yeah, Death Valley. Fucking Turd Valley is more like it. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, another of the underwhelming releases from Shudder. What are you going to do? I, that's another one that I want. I mean, yeah, obviously, well, Derek obviously knows my love of creature features, so of course I wanted that movie to be better. But man, within like twenty minutes, you just kind of know what you're in for, and it's it doesn't look up it doesn't look up much after that. So yeah, to go in with caution, folks. Uh, granted, it's been out almost the entire year at this point now, so I'm not sure how many more new eyes it's going to get, but. If you're listening to our voice, if, I mean, obviously, if you heard Mike and I review it on Fresh Cuts, you know we weren't very high on it. And now here we are again on the main show trying to make to, to deter people from watching it. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say move on to a better movie. Did Don hate it, too? I, I think so. I don't remember. We, we do so many shows. I don't remember specifically if he hated that one or not. He's like, he's probably, I'll have to listen to it now. He'll be like, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't man. remember anything past a week ago. <laughs> yeah, it's the only new movie I watched, so that tells you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so first up for me, this is one I saw in the theater. It was probably a consideration for Fresh Cuts, but the main issue was it was a very limited release. Um, so it, it, I'm sure Venom would have been able to see it, or maybe he did. I don't know. But um, I don't know if Don would have been able to get a hold of it in time. And uh, it's called You Are Not Alone, and uh, it's a witch movie. And some people are calling this horror adjacent. I mean, I would still, I guess, call it a horror movie. It's definitely like drama horror. Um, if you if you, you remember when uh, Haga Suza came out and people were kind of comparing it to The Witch, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's it falls somewhere like in that category. More Haga Suza though than The Witch, and basically it's a story of um it's really like a coming of age story for a witch so just to kind of set the table uh the movie starts out with like an old witch like obviously she's been around for like centuries probably and uh i guess in the according to the lore in this movie every witch they get as part of like their witch powers or whatever they get to like curse one human baby to like 
raise as uh, like a witch, like their own daughter as a witch. So once they perform that blood curse, then um, the baby has to live till they're like 16, I think normal as like a normal person. But the whole process is, it's kind of weird because it's not any lore I've ever heard before. Not that that makes it bad, but it's just, you know, you're kind of learning everything new with this movie. And uh, so then basically when the child turns 16, the witch comes to get her. And it's basically that's kind of where the big part part of the movie starts. And it's it's pretty cool because it's like a witch kind of learning to be human, what makes people human versus like what makes her a witch, like the differences, uh, the nuances, the similarities, the desires, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I thought the movie was absolutely great. Um, it, right off the bat, it, the, how good it looked, the cinematography reminded me of uh, a lower budget movie, Venom, that we did on uh, Fresh Cuts Hellbender. Yeah. One of, to me, one of Hellbender's greatest attributes was just what I don't know what kind of cameras they rented or the own because the, that family has made other movies, so I don't know if they're always using the same equipment. But oh, for yeah, such like a low yeah, budget right? movie, it looked wonderful. And this is another one. This took place like you know before industrial revolution back in back in those days, and just out in the nature in the woods. It looks absolutely great. Um, it's probably you know too slow paced for a lot of people. There's a lot of there's witchy stuff that does happen in the movie. Um, just as part of the process, but it's not the type of movie that's trying to be scary in that way. So I don't know. I absolutely loved it, but uh, I, I can see why this would divide it. Like if this would have been a major release where like, you know, a lot of people wanted to see it, I could see it being like 50, 50 people who loved it and hated it. Um, have either of you guys seen it yet? By no, <laughs> <laughs> I have not. Um, I, I do want to watch it. I, obviously, I love The Witch, and Agazuza was in my top ten for that year, so obviously I love that movie as well. Um, I will definitely be watching it, but yeah, it was playing out here at a couple of uh, a couple of the indie theaters, but I just didn't get a chance to see. I mean, once once we decided on a different movie for Fresh Cuts that week, I think my weekend kind of filled up, and I just didn't have the time to drive out to West Hollywood and watch it because. There, there's not really any indie theaters in the valley where I live. I have to go into L.A. proper or, you know, one of the Santa Monica or one of the, the, the bigger surrounding towns. So, yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to see it. But, I mean, e- even without your description, I knew I wanted to see it. And, yeah, now I just want to watch it even more. So, yeah, I'll check it out soon enough. Yeah. Quick, quick question. You bring it up. Yes, Derek. Do they use the song by Michael Jackson, You Are Not Alone, in the movie? Oh God. I hope not. <laughs> that would have totally changed things so <laughs> crazy. That song just kicked on all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, maybe as like a closing credit song, it could have worked. But if if this was <laughs> just our point oh, in the middle should, of the movie. They, they, they did like like they did in Suspiria with that weird song about a bird and all the mayhem started. <laughs> right. When everyone's getting right. killed. You are not alone. I'm ripping <laughs> out your heart. <laughs> oh. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I would say, <laughs> I would say, go see it when you can, or if not, you know, I'm, I'm sure it'll hit VOD not too far in the future anyway. Um. All right, back to you, Venom. All right. Uh, the next. 
film that I watched is uh, also from 2022. Technically, it's 2021. It was released right at the end of 2021. Um, but obviously, by the by, by the time we hit Christmas, we're already working on our top ten list, so we're not thinking about newer films. So this is one that kind of slipped under the radar. Um, and this one is called I Live Alone. Um, this one is a very, very independent movie, a very independent project. It looks like it's shot on video and not particularly very well, for that matter. Um, the one, the the big kind of, I wouldn't even call it a saving grace, but I, I guess the only reason uh, outside of uh, knowing anything about this film to watch it would be uh, because it stars Bonnie Ahrens. Uh, for those who don't recognize the name, Bonnie Ahrens plays Valak, the nun, in the Conjuring movies and in The Nun. Uh, she's also the vampire in the recently released Jacob's Wife with uh, Barbara Crampton. So, you know, she's she's definitely a name in the uh, genre. So when I saw her name getting top billing on this, I figured, why not? Let's see what let's see what Valak can do when she actually uses her words, because obviously Valak doesn't speak. And the master in Jacob's Wife only had a few lines in it, you know, so. Uh, and unfortunately, folks, I'm sorry to report that Bonnie Aarons <laughs> should stick to the non-speaking roles. Oh, God. I, I still love Bonnie Aarons to death. I think she's a great person. Um, but yeah, she she is not what you need to carry a film because she's basically relied on to carry this film. She's in almost every scene. Um the story obviously revolves around her character. Um, here's the synopsis. Uh, basically, 16-year-old Parker has to stay with her reclusive aunt, Len, while her mother's in the hospital. Parker quickly realizes her aunt is living in solitude for very dark and horrific reasons. So, yeah, nice open-ended, vague uh, description there. Um, I can't even really get into the main point of the film because it would be just too much of a spoiler, I think. Um suffice it to say Parker has to stay with her aunt played by Bonnie Aaron's and Bonnie Aaron's is just not normal. Let's just leave it at that for now. I can't, I can't really get into, um, cause it, I mean, there's one key word that would just ruin this entire movie. And obviously I'm not going to say it here. Um, unfortunately though, I don't think I can recommend this movie to anyone. This movie is only one hour long. It is exactly 60 minutes long. So it barely qualifies as a feature length uh, movie, but I'll allow it um, for the first half hour to 40 minutes of this film. You're just going to be scratching your head like what is going on? Nothing, <laughs> nothing supernatural, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Bonnie Aaron, you know, Aunt Len does come off as slightly crazy. Like, you know, she's she, she's not a shut in necessarily, but she does live alone on her in her house with a little bit of land around it. Uh, she doesn't like visitors, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the movie just kind of culminates in this, what turns out to actually be a pretty good twist ending. The only thing is, I don't think we had to spend an hour with uh, these people to get this twist ending. This, this entire movie could have been done in like a 20 to 25 minute segment in an anthology, just an individual segment in, you know, any horror anthology. And it probably would have come off uh, is a lot more enjoyable. Um, but because it's an hour long and the first half hour, you're just kind of sitting around like, okay, obviously there's something wrong with auntie, but they're not telling us what they're not even giving us a hint. And you don't get that hint until, you know, one of the final scenes of the film. when we basically get the big, we, you, you kind of get two reveals one of, you know, what auntie believes is going on in that area where she lives in. 
and then the final reveal of what is actually going on, basically. Um, it sounds like it's the same twist, but it's two different ones. It's just kind of hard for me to explain. Um, but like I said, I can't really recommend the movie to too many people. It's sitting at a 3.6 on IMDb. Not the greatest acting. Like I said, shot on video. If you're a big fan of shot on video, then I guess you could check it out. Um, not really any, a little bit of gore. There's like one major kill scene in the movie, but the, the rest of it is fairly implied. Um, you don't get much of an ending either. Like you get a very open-ended ending. And for the last like two to three minutes of the film, it's just Bonnie Aaron's character screaming into the camera. Literally, like it's a close-up of her face. And she's talking about what's been happening and what she believes is happening and blah, blah, blah. And then literally she ends the whole thing just screaming at the top of her lungs into the camera. And then it just fades to black and credits. And there you go. That's I Live Alone 2021. Not great, but not the worst thing I've ever seen either. It's just I can't really recommend this to anybody, even if you're a Bonnie Aarons fan. Um, I, it's it's not anything that's going to elevate her in the, you know, upper echelon of horror by any stretch of the imagination. Like I said, she should stick to her non-speaking roles or at least her very limited speaking roles like Jacob's wife. But yeah, um, not a great one here. It's 3.6 on IMDb and that might actually be a little high actually, but yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's a tough one. Like I said, it's, it's a very low budget, one location, um, the whole movie has like maybe four or five people in it. You could you could tell it's a pandemic production. Um, but other than that, I can't really recommend it. And in fact, there's very little about it other than the twist that I can really recommend. And even the twist, some people are going to think is dumb. It just kind of tickled me a little bit for whatever it's worth. Ooh, it tickled you, huh? <laughs> okay, but but does Derek have a question about a certain song that could have played? During you the movie? are not alive. You were the nun. Oh, no. speak now. Yeah, please. You cannot act. Uh. <laughs> she could get better. I mean, hey, I, I, I'm hoping that this is just like a she just wanted to try a speaking role and see if she was any good at it. Because potentially, you know, if she got some acting lessons, who knows? Maybe she's she no could. Doug Jones, huh? She's absolutely not Doug Jones by any stretch. She's not Doug <laughs> Jones. She's not Javier Baudet. She's not anybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I, as much and I still love Bonnie Aarons. This isn't going to drop her opinion, my opinion of her in any way, but it's just not a movie I can recommend. But it's only an hour long. And uh, where did I watch it? I watch it on VOD, so it's not even a Shutter release. So I definitely wouldn't recommend Can't paying. blame Shutter there then. Yeah, exactly. That, that's it for me. That's I I live alone. I live alone. <laughs> All right, Derek, you're up again. All right, I saw a movie you guys talked about. I think around the time, you know, I think this episode was released by the time we recorded X. X. Hell yeah. Ty West, fucking, the only thing that could have made this movie better if the exhibit was in it. <laughs> <laughs> Or Jeffrey X. Martin. Either one. <laughs> it would have been amazing if Jeffrey X. Martin was in it. Oh, if Jeffrey X. Martin played the old man, uh, the, the, it would be a 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> but I dug this movie. You know, it was a, you know, I, I get what they were, Ty West was doing. You know, he likes like this kind of 70s exploitation feel in all his movies. And it's stayed up, but you know, like, 
Damn, Brittany Snow in this movie, though? Damn, I wanted to jerk off on her face the moment she came on the screen. <laughs> she was so fucking hot in this movie. But anyways. Where, uh, where did she come from? Like, I don't know what's the rest of her. She was in that uh, Would You Rather movie with Jeffrey Combs. Oh, right? okay. Oh, yeah, and she was uh, in, uh, well, this is off topic, but she was also in the Pitch Perfect trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, I is that like where, is, like, has she been acting since like childhood or did she just kind of break onto the scene a few years ago or? No, she's been around for a few years. She was in the prom night uh, remake too. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I've probably seen her and I just didn't realize that her name. Cause yeah, she, she, it sounds like she's, she's been in too much not to have noticed so, her so, before. She's usually a redhead too. So probably can like, wow, who's this blonde? <laughs> uh, to answer your question, Mike, yeah, she is a uh, she's been acting since she was nine years old. Yes. Uh, okay. So she's been in stuff, mostly television. It does look like Nip Tuck, American Dream, Sequest. Uh, but then right around uh, the early Sequest. 2000s, she made the transition to just films, uh, starting with John Tucker Must Die. And oh, yeah, yeah. You, she made the transition to just the movies. Ah, no, one gets that joke, Mike. no one gets that joke. I get that joke because she made the tradition to my on my dick is the real question. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought all the females in the cast were pretty good. Like I, I, I thought the characters overall were all pretty likable. I, mean, I, I did I did uh, I did you know like even Kid Cudi who I usually hate his music I'm like oh he's pretty good as this weird black porn star yeah. you know. You know? No, honestly, the performances were great. No, no complaints there. Uh, a great I'll, movie. I mean, uh, Ty West, and I was just having this. <laughs> that's so funny. I was having this conversation yesterday at my poker game with another horror fan that plays poker, and Ty West really is a master of emulating that '70s tone. Like, um, I, and I always use the same example from last year. There was the Fear Street series, and there was Fear Street 1978 which felt nothing like 1978. It literally felt like a movie that was shot in 2020 and they just put everybody in 1970s clothes. That's like literally, that was the 70s aesthetic they were going for. If you watch X, if you watch House of the Devil, this man can make a movie look and feel like it was shot in the 70s. Like the opening scene of X, uh, you know, when our group is pulling up to the farm, it literally looks like it was plucked out of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the with the kind of yellow tone to it. Um, it. It just man, Ty West is a fucking master. I don't I, care. I I, yeah. I think the man is spectacular. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, me too. And fucking, although I will admit, the first time I saw Mia Goff in the old woman makeup, I thought, <laughs> I thought she looked like a Monona Ryder in Edward Scissorhands. Yes. <laughs> 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 and, and then and then I looked and it snowed and I know who's still alive. Yeah, to, to uh, Venom's point though, yeah, I, it's like you you're watching the setup and as they pull up to the house, it's like I wouldn't have been, who would have been surprised if Leatherface came right out of the house to like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to no, this is a better you know? that was a better opening scene than the actual like that Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D scene. Oh, by far. Oh, Jesus. Uh, oh, that, <laughs> yeah. I, I love how they played. They kind of played with the roles too, because the person, you know, without getting too detailed, I'd say the because of the way all the characters are set up, the the one character you almost are expecting to survive, they kind of pull a switcheroo on that, and I thought that was well done. Yeah, 
Whatever, yeah, whatever they're subverting expectations. Yes, exactly. And also, uh, my mom. I told my mom about this movie because uh, she has a crush on that dude from the show Virgin River, and he's a uh, Wayne in the movie, uh, the main guy, Mia Goff's boyfriend. Yep. Slash, yeah, and I was like, Ma, you have to watch this movie. He just walks around in underwear for half the movie. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey stunt double or yeah. B movie McConaughey. It's the guy from Ring remake. Yeah, Martin man. Henderson. Yeah. yeah. Virgin River. He's a big star now. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. Yes, X. It should I believe it's still in theaters here, so Oh yeah. Yeah, it's still I, here, I, yeah, too. Tell people because I love it. It was it was very fun. Like it's probably the most fun I had in the theater. Well, at least horror wise, yeah, for sure. I I will do admit though when I went to go see it in theaters, I felt weird because people a couple brought their baby into the movie theater. I'm like, what the fuck? Are you bringing your little baby in to see this fucking movie where people are getting raw dogged and shit? <laughs> yeah, I. I had a couple of people walk out, and I think it's more because of the sex than anything else, which I don't get because I'm like, did you not know anything about the plot of the movie? It's called X. Come on. But then again, I guess if like if 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 you're not familiar with like that era of film, then even maybe with the plot, you would just assume, well, like today's movies don't even push it that far. And it's not like it's the far, it, you know, we've all seen stuff that's gone way further, but I guess just your average crowd that doesn't have a reference to know how things could get pushed in rated R movies. They just weren't expecting. I don't know. I, I can't explain it because I fully expected to be to get all that kind of stuff out of that movie, and I'm, oh, yeah. I was happy that it got that it delivered. I was expecting money shots on Bernie Snow's face. I would have made this movie a ten out of ten. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just. Well, I, I I hope she listens to the show because she will be happy to know she has a super fan on the. Well, I'm sure she's got. <laughs> Derek would only be one of the millions that probably want to come on her. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not including myself. Please, <laughs> Twitter, tweet this, Brittany Snow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so for my next one, I'll bring up um, a show that the season two just dropped on Shutter, um, and they released this, I think, one episode a week. So of season two specifically, there's only one episode out, but and that, or, and that would be Cursed Films. And the first episode of the second season is on the Wizard of Oz, which, which is famously known for, you know, some some of the stuff is famously known for that took place on the set, as uh, as well as other things that, like, I'm learning just set conditions and um, different, you know, uh, stuff like this still goes on, but especially filmed back then. Like, I didn't know that uh, the dude, the Tin Man guy, the original Tin Man. Freddie Epson, yeah. Yeah, he basically almost died because they were using actual aluminum in his face uh-huh. paint, <laughs> and he he just breathed it all in over the course of however long, and he started getting chest pain. And they're like, "Yeah, uh, you, this your lungs are coated with it," and it's like it's weird because in in this day and age, if now I don't know, maybe they never told, like maybe they didn't know there was aluminum in it, like other than maybe a select few people, but. I, I want to say in 2022, if someone suggested that people would look at them like they're fucking insane, like, what are you thinking? But back then, maybe I don't know if they just didn't know or 
if some no people way they did do, know yeah. or what. Yeah, nah, I, I can't imagine that that they would literally try to kill Buddy Epson. It just doesn't seem no. Well, it, it or just, they just didn't realize that that he would inhale, like you know, like maybe they didn't understand that he would breathe it in through through the process. I, I don't know. They're spraying it in his face. I'm pretty sure they knew he was breathing it in. I, I'm gonna say they didn't know what was in it. I mean, it's the 20s for fuck's sake. There was cocaine in Coca-Cola. So yeah, Poppies. Yeah, exactly. It, it's just, it's just, the, it's, the, it's the era that that era. They, you know, very little scientific research. They just didn't know what we were ingesting half the time. Hell, they were giving kids cigarettes. There were cigarette commercials during cartoons during that time. Uh, well, not the twenties, obviously. Yeah, later, that, after television was actually invented, yo, but you know what I mean. No, half the lollipop guild was like chain smoking on when they're finished singing. All right, we're done, Dorothy. Oh, they oh. yeah they they brought up. I guess they had all the Munchkinland people or Munchkinland actors and actresses staying at one hotel and like of course. Yeah, they made a movie about it. On and yeah, it's funny because they interview yeah, like they, they show archive interviews of one of the guys and he's like trying to half deny it but not in a such a direct way. So you're like, uh huh. I'm sure it was like I'm sure a lot of the stories are exaggerated, but the way he was answering Mason, like, well, they were having some fun at least. <laughs> oh, God, hey, it's not like Munchkin orgies aren't a thing. Guaranteed, oh, yeah. they have. Oh my oh, God. Oh yeah, a lot of little hands. Lots of little hands, lots of squeaky little voices moaning. Oh, yeah. Sounds like rubber duckies. And you know what? Considering the life life that those people had to live back then, God bless them. Party, suck all the dick, lick all the titties (laughs) you want, do all the drugs you want. God gave you a shitty hand. Do whatever the fuck you want. No, God didn't give you a shitty hand. He gave him a little hand. Ah! <laughs> Terrible! Oh god! <laughs> oh man! But uh, as far as cursed films, though, you guys are familiar with the show, right? I'm sure. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I was kind of surprised. I'm hoping not with Wizard of Oz, but yeah, I was kind of weirded out. Like the first, I'm like what? Really? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, I didn't even watch it I'm, right away when I saw it. I'm like Wizard of Oz, really? Uh, okay. I mean, not to I'm say it assuming... can't be a cursed film. Of course, it's a cursed film. That's fine. But I, I, I thought cursed films was about cursed horror movie sets. But apparently, they're spreading their wings in season two. Well, I think so, the first season had the crow, which isn't really horror. No, but, but it's, um... it, most horror. I mean, I, I love that movie, and I know a lot of horror fans do like it. I mean, it's gothic as fuck. Um, yeah, I, I think violent. they're approaching it. I think the way they approach it is like the. The, the lore about the curse itself is the horror in it, you know? Oh, no, and that's, yeah, I totally understand that, That which is fine. I mean, that's been established now for season two, so that's what I mean. First season was all horror and horror adjacent, so I was like, you know, and yes, I know The Crow is an action movie, but uh, I hope the comic book was a fucking horror movie. If, if uh, anybody out have... there read The Crow comic, it was way more horror than that movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, hope th- I hope they have an episode in Heaven's Gate now. Fuck it. <laughs> Speaking of the crow, did you hear uh, what's his name is supposedly cast? Uh, uh, Bill Sarsgaard. Sarsgaard, yeah. the younger Sarsgaard. I had to wait till I see it. That's all. I'm not gonna judge it when I see it. I mean, no, I don't I, care either I, way I who's cast. Because casting news comes you, out, but 
You got it. You're talking about a movie that was near perfect. I mean, why the fuck are we on, on top of the fact that the 90s was the age of grunge and emo and gothic and all that shit? It's 2022. Nobody's emo anymore. Do we need a Crow remake? Really? I mean, well, I just wish like instead of remaking it, why don't they just tackle one of the different stories from the comics? Thank they, you. Yeah. They, I, I wasn't even a reader of the comics so much, but from what I've heard, there's multiple different like stories hey, with the, different the, characters. The, you don't have to just redo the Eric Draven one. Hey, uh, if it, you can't, as long as it is better than that Edward Furlong one, then I'm okay with it. Oh god! Well, a wet shit I took an hour ago is better than that movie. And I feel I cry when I watch that movie because Dennis Hopper is in that movie. I'm like, why? why I cried you? when I took my wet shit an hour ago. Me too. <laughs> my hemorrhoid popped. Ow! Don't even joke about that. <laughs> it did. I'm not kidding. Ah, oh, god damn it! Ah, oh, you must be standing. I am. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking a stand. I got my standing desk. I'm ready. I stand alone. (laughs) (laughs) You you don't stand alone. (laughs) Um, Turn on horror movie. Yeah. uh, So, yeah. Curse films. Just for anyone that didn't know, season two did officially begin. All right. So back to you, Venom. All right. Last one for me is um, uh, just another Shudder movie that we'll be talking about here in a little bit. Um. This movie is called The Scary of 61st. Yeah. Oh, it sounds promising. Yeah, and if you think it's a stupid title that may turn into a stupid movie, my friends, I think you're right, because this movie was not good. Um, This is a movie... uh, Here, let me read the synopsis. Two roommates' lives are upended after finding out that their new Manhattan apartment harbors a dark secret. You know what the fucking dark secret of this apartment is? I'm I'm giving it away. I don't care, because I don't want anyone to ever watch this movie. Uh, the fucking secret of the apartment is that it used to belong to Jeffrey Epstein. What? Yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't stutter. What? <laughs> that is the fucking reveal of this apartment. What? That it used to belong to Jeffrey Epstein, and that, you know, that this was one of the places where Jeffrey Epstein would take, like, the underage girls that he was grooming for Pedophile Island like when he would find them in New York, he would groom them at this at the one of many apartments, but this is just one of them. And and that obviously it's a supernatural movie. There is a there is a ghost element there. So yeah, you can kind of tell where it's going from the there. Ghost of yeah. Jeffrey Epstein. Fucking Jeffrey. No, well that might have actually been slightly cooler, but no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean this movie. I man, dude, I. I almost stopped watching it at the half hour mark and I almost stopped at the one hour mark. And for whatever it's worth, I'm glad I didn't because the last 15 minutes of this movie does kind of elevate it a little bit, just a little bit. Like instead of a one out of 10, now it's a three out of 10. So, I mean, for the first hour of this movie, you're literally just watching these three women fritter away their lives one of them is this little mousy girl that lets people walk all over her, lets her boyfriend walk all over her, lets her own roommate walk all over her. She's basically a, a fucking welcome mat. She's the world's welcome mat. She is at the catalyst of this whole thing, of this whole kind of supernatural situation that's happening in the in the apartment. And then her roommate is a lesbian who just treats her like shit, it seems like. Like, right from the start. Like, I... 
I understand that they give us these types of characters so that we as the viewers sympathize for them, but I don't. When I see a person who's that fucking weak, I hate them. I hate weak people. If there's a reason that you have all this hate in your life that you let all these shitty people in, you know, because they're blood relatives or they're, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's one thing. But we're talking about a boyfriend and a roommate. You have no blood connection to either one of those people. And yet you allow yourself to be around just people that mistreat you constantly. And then it affects your psyche, which also plays into this movie a little bit with this girl's kind of mental breakdown that she has throughout the film. But like I said, this is another one shot on video, very, very poorly written, poorly acted. The score is terrible. The editing is not great. Like I said, the finale of the movie does elevate it a little bit. We get a little bit of a, a, a gory ending and then uh, a little bit of an open-ended vague ending as well that, some people are going to hate. I, I didn't hate it. I thought it added a nice little bit to the mystery because the whole point is that this whole Jeffrey Epstein thing will never be figured out. They'll never be able to figure out how deep this pedophile ring was. I mean, hell, it's probably already in the pot process of being broken up so that the authorities can never find proof of it. I mean, obviously, there is lots of proof that it existed. But I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the parties involved are going to try to cover it up. And that's kind of how this movie ends with them just continuing the cover up and, you know, kind of harassing this innocent girl. So, yeah, uh, this is another movie. And, and the funny thing is, is that this is this is labeled as a horror comedy. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. There's no comedy <laughs> in this movie. I mean, there's not even an attempt at comedy. I don't even know what they're talking about. I, I think that's literally a misprint. I, literally, that has to be a misprint because this is not a horror comedy in any way, shape or form. Fucking The Shining is more of a horror comedy than this fucking movie. So, yeah. So anyway, the whole the whole point of the movie is avoid it at all costs. It's it is a uh, 2022 film it, for us in the States. It was released at the end of 2021, I believe, in Canada or something. I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah, that's the scary of 61st. Stupid title, stupid movie. Yeah, to- and I and I actually saw it, and there's a re- reason I never mentioned that I saw it for, for pretty much every reason that yeah. you're listing off. Mind you, now, warn Mike, what the fuck? Yeah, warn me next time. I wasted an hour and twenty minutes with this thing. Well, the interesting thing is, like, I, maybe ten, fifteen minutes in, I was kind of on board just for the okay, oh, what's brilliant. going on aspect, and I was like, okay, they're developing somewhat of a little mystery here. But as soon as you get the reveal, it's just one it just becomes one note where it's like, okay, I know exactly what they're going to do here. Just, Oh, we're just going deeper in on the conspiracy. There's nothing, there's no nuance to anything. It's like, of course, everything's now worst case scenario conspiracy. And it just devolves and it really doesn't go anywhere. And like you said, the last, what, 10, 15 minutes, there's some interesting stuff going on, but overall it's just a hard movie to recommend to anybody. Yeah, it's I, I couldn't imagine who actually would like this movie. Like I can't think of anyone. There's not there's not enough gore for gore hounds. There's not enough supernatural elements for, you know, ghost lovers or haunted house lovers. There's no Jerry Epstein for Jerry Epstein fans. Yes, exactly. There's no, you know, thirteen year old girls getting railed in a, in an airplane after. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, yeah, this movie is just I, I literally an hour into the movie, I'm screaming at my television, why the fuck is this on shutter? But then again, Shudder also has The Spine of Night and See for Me, two more movies that I don't think are horror in any way. But, you know, we might expand on that here in a little bit. But, yeah, 
The scary of 61st just continues uh, Shudder's awful 2022. The spine of chickens. <laughs> All right, Derek, what's up last for you? I watched the classic from 1976 known as Shadow of the Hawk. Ooh. And this movie stars John Michael Vincent as a half Native American man. <laughs> <laughs> Who, his grandfather, who's played by uh, the great Chief Dan George from like movies like The Outlaw, Josie Wales, uh, as his grandfather, who's uh, pretty much he's comes to visit his grandson because like, he has to train him to be the new shaman because there's evil spirits around and there's this crazy thing where like there's this ancient Native American god that's fucking with them. As they go on their journey. And, you know, it's kind of cool. It kind of has, like, that supernatural feel to it. And, you know, he goes into the shamanism angle. Now, am I going to say John Michael Vincent's portrayal of a half-Native American man good? <laughs> I don't know. i got to say, like, that about every movie from this time period that casts other non-Native Americans as Native Americans. Like Amara Sante and fucking Prophecy. <laughs> and uh, Or Stephen Mock in fucking Nightwing, which is actually the movie that's paired with this. Wow. That's an amazing performance. But, uh, you know, it's, it's fun for what it is. You know, it's the 70s. The You know, there's a cool scene where you, like, you know, they're getting chased by, like, this mysterious black car that has nobody in it. You know, it's on its own. And Chief Dan George actually, like, puts, like, a bunch of, like, soil or, like, thing from his medicine bag on the fucking road. And John Michael Vincent's like, what the fuck you doing? I'm building a wall. And the car crashes into an invisible wall. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's pretty fun. You know, John Michael Vincent actually fights a bear in this movie. Ooh, like Leonardo. (laughs) Yeah, so that happens, and you know, it's fun, you know, it's actually a fun double feature, like I said, it comes with Nightwing, the killer bat movie, uh, from, what year was that movie, let me look that up real quick, 79, so yeah, it's a good double feature, you get it on, I have the Blu-ray from Mill Creek Entertainment, you got what you pay for, they're two pretty good movies, it's actually a good double feature. I have never uh, seen that one, though. I haven't either. Anything with Jan Michael Vincent, I'm, I'm on board for. <laughs> yeah, and he fights a bear and a wolf. Oh, I'm in. <laughs> um, all right, last up for me. I mean, this is kind of a, I guess, a side check. It's not really horror, but I watched the, uh, the 4K release of the Apocalypse Now Final Cut. I'm... I mean, it, I guess the horrors of war, what it can do to people. <laughs> if you horror. want to get the horror. The horror. And, the yeah, they, horror. yeah, he says the horror in it a few times, so maybe that yeah. can count. No. Um, <laughs> but Apocalypse Now, it, it's one of my favorite movies, period, of, of all time. I like how it t- kind of takes um, the non-traditional route in how it's filmed and how they tackle the subject of war. You know, it's not... It's not just a movie about like the battles and on the battlefield and casualties. It's it's really 
it it's a character study about how it affects various people in different ways and how some people, you know, they take to war and they're gung-ho about it and others, it just screws them up psychologically. And man, it's just, uh, it's just great. I, I love everything about this movie and the 4k is beautiful. It's, it was a treat to just watch and listen to it. And, uh, man, the, the cast in this is amazing. Um, Dennis Hopper as a photographer. Oh, he's so good. It all coked out. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Oh yeah. And it includes, actually, I don't know if the 4k includes it, but I still have the, the Blu-ray, um, that included the hearts of darkness on it, the documentary. So I highly, I mean, that's almost like watching more footage of the movie. Yeah. Um, of how, you know, how crazy that documentary is. But, uh, of course, Marlon Brando, Robert Duvall, Lawrence Fishburne, when he was still so young, he was known as Larry Fishburne. <laughs> um, young Harrison Ford up in that bitch. Yep, Harrison Ford, and then, of course, Martin Sheen um, starring in it. But, yeah, I just – I I love the POV of the movie. I, I, I love how, you know, Martin Sheen's character – he just his reaction to everyone he comes across in his mission is just he he can see how messed up things are in different ways with different people but then his actions too are messed up at times like he can turn on the coldless or you know the thoughtless uh emotionless uh trigger when he needs to um and, and uh yeah it's just a wonderful movie. I highly, I highly recommend it. Um, I'm assuming both of you guys have seen Apocalypse Now, right? Yeah, yeah. I love Apocalypse Now. I, I hate the Redux. I, I hated all the scenes that they added for that Redux. That that French plantation scene can go right to hell. I, oh yeah, I, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I saw the Redux in theaters when it first came out. I, I, I want to say it was like 2000 or 2001 because it, it actually played in theaters out here anyway, and. Um, uh, you know, obviously, Apocalypse Now is one of the best movies ever made. Literally, it's just it's a stellar film. But that Redux, I, I felt like every scene they added to it was just filler. Like there was a reason it was cut out of the original theatrical version. You know, sometimes folks edits are actually warranted. You know, sometimes a scene is taken out because it just doesn't really add a whole lot to a movie. And and then when we end up getting a director's cut, we end up with, uh, you know, uh, what's what's my least favorite director's cut? Uh, Nightbreed. You end up with that fucking Nightbreed director's cut when the theatrical version was fucking spectacular. And then they go and just change so much about it. Like to, to even change the ending is just a little overboard. Yeah. So, yeah. So just remember, sometimes when they cut a scene out, it's for a good reason. Yeah, my favorite director's cut's actually uh, Tony Scott's director's cut of Revenge, where he actually cuts like 30 minutes of the movie out. Yes! Because yeah. all the padding he takes out of the movie, and it's like a totally different movie. It's like only like an hour and a half or something. That's and the, cool. And the, ori- that. and the original version was like two, and a, two hours and 20 minutes, I think, or some yeah. bullshit like that. Well, yeah, so, that's kind of what Argento did with Dawn of the Dead as well. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, but what's the final cut? Is that like totally different than Redux? Uh, no, the final cut is you know similarly because I also I also watched Blade Runner final cut and in in both instances, <laughs> what the final cut does it kind of goes through um, 
the second version and cut stuff a little bit. It, it kind of it doesn't take away everything Redux had, but it it tries to like trim it down to where it flows better. Uh, now I I have seen the Redux, but I haven't seen the Redux in so long. I'd have to watch that in the final cut back. Because I, uh, I like, own the 4K of the Poplix now. I haven't watched it yet. Okay. I actually, I need like a day off or something, or like a yeah, it's a long one. <laughs> yeah, I went, I watched it last weekend, and I started it like so. I, I probably like woke up, you know, made some coffee, got myself good and awake, and started in the morning because I was like, this isn't something I want to start in the evening and take up my whole night. So, but yeah, I mean, when you have the time, definitely throw that bastard on. Throw that bastard on, white boy. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything anyone wants to uh, bring up that they watched now that we're officially? Nope. Unless you want to hear about more bad Shutter movies. <laughs> no, uh, we might be uh, hearing about that soon, though. <laughs> if you want to talk about some Robert Altman movies, maybe we could just oh. start the Robert Altman podcast. Those are good movies, though. I know. I just got the Blu-ray of Nashville in the mail. Yeah, it's a great movie. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, news, Scream Factory started a TV station, or like a streaming <laughs> station. Anyone check it out yet? No. Uh, I will be, because I am very interested, but I just haven't yet. Yeah, I was going to before we recorded so I could, you know, report anything on it, but I just didn't get around to it. Um, I, is it is it free with ads, or do, is there like... I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I gotta see like what platforms it's on and all that, too. Um, I am interested though, because you know, anything that's going to stream horror will get my attention at least initially. Is it Scream Factory or Shout Factory? I thought it was. I thought it was Scream Factory. Scream Factory, oh, yeah. Because okay. I just realized I have the Shout Factory app on my Apple TV, but that's the that's it. That's everything, Shout Factory. Yeah, well, <laughs> we. I wish it was everything. Shout Factory. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's very lacking in uh, Scream Factory stuff. I still have uh, the Kino Cult app, and that one's pretty fucking good. Like, yeah, it's not bad for a free app. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's not like at any one given time. It's not a huge library, but the stuff they put on there, it's worthy of being called Kino Cult. Because hell yeah, that's got it's, like thirty. It's a lot of out there stuff, and you know, art house stuff and experimental stuff. It's it's pretty cool. Hell yeah, there's like thirty five Jess Franco movies where he shows his wife's clit in every movie. <laughs> Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, don't, don't think I'm kidding with you. I'm going to pick some Jess Franco in the future. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, they, they have a lot of, like, the 70s vampire erotic movies, like, I, just, like, when I'm scrolling down the lineup and stuff. But, uh, and that, that one is, that is a free app. For yeah. Dirty boys. Free. Um, also... You know, we always bring up Robert England, but this time there actually is like a legitimate Robert England story. They, Why? I guess they, yeah, they they just wrapped up a documentary with him um, called Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares: The Robert England Story about <gasps> his life and career. So uh, uh, we are going to be getting Robert England. And what's funny is because they just talked about this, and and I thought it had already come out, but I was confusing it with something else he did. I guess back in 2018, called a nightmare, or no, I was going to say I called a nightmare on Elm Street, called a nightmares in the makeup chair, where he act. They actually kind of it looks like they did kind of like a 
quasi makeup job on him because he has like the he, you can tell he has the um what is it, the rubber pieces on him but it's it's not like a hundred percent movie ready but close enough and uh they just kind of interview him why he's getting the makeup put on and then looks like he does like a panel or something but this oh that's when he was like in the probably when he was doing that thing where goldbergs no not the goldbergs when he did like that photo op thing with the convention where it was the last time he was going to wear the makeup at the convention that might have been true yeah you might be right about that probably maybe they just filmed for that yeah yeah that makes sense but uh yeah this new one it's a documentary on him and a lot of you know familiar people you'd expect that are going to be in it uh lynn shay heather Langenkamp, arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> looks like bill mosley tony todd eli roth listed lance henriksen so We'll see. I mean, I, I'd be interested. He He's always... I've seen him at a couple conventions now and just interviews with him in general, and he always comes off as a pretty cool guy. And he has a lot of good stories. Like, you would think because he's so genre-specific with most of his career, um, he would tend to, you know, just know people in or around that genre, but especially from his earlier days in Hollywood, you know, he has the famous uh, Mark Hamill story, but just he... He has a lot of people that he knows and is friends with and lots of good stories from the 70s and 80s just, you know, being a struggling actor in Hollywood before he landed in that role. So uh, I'll be looking yeah. out for that. Well, like his first movie, ironically enough, we just mentioned John Michael Vincent was the Buster and Billy movie with John Michael Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else do I got? Uh, I grabbed Tony Hawk 1 and 2 Remastered. Oh yeah, that sounds that sounds exciting, Mike. Yeah. It's horror. Well, watching me try to play it like I did when they first came out, it, it's a horror show, for sure. When I can't do simple freaking grinds, <laughs> um, something grinds. I don't know. I I don't really have much news. Do you guys have anything? No, I nope. never. No, I don't have any news. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's not like you're in charge of news or anything so <laughs> sure sometime, next time just remind me i'll try to look for some stuff it's been a pretty slow i mean i i did check out a couple of sites yesterday it's been a pretty slow couple of weeks yeah and, and that's the thing it's like it's not that there's no quote-unquote news out there but it's like the more i scroll stuff the more i'm like i i don't even want to care to talk about a lot of this stuff just because it's it's the not only, conversation the only thing, worthy yeah the only thing i was excited about was the the cafe remakes getting a 4k so i get to see nakasha kinski's titties in 4k (laughs) derek has the interests of every 15 year old at heart yeah (laughs) he's keeping he's keeping the youth alive um keeping that (laughs) 80s mentality going (laughs) yes (laughs) incest kitties in 4k (laughs) all right well with the absence of much news to talk about, um, I'm actually going to kick it to Venom because Venom brought up a burning question topic. Play that music, Mike. All right, Venom, what All right. is our topic? So it is now uh, April 10th as we record this. We are now officially a quarter of the way through 2022. 
And um, we were noticing, obviously, with Mike and I doing fresh cuts, you know, reviewing the newest movies that come out in the genre every single week, we, we do tend to notice trends in streaming apps and things like that. When we see like maybe Netflix might not be having a strong year in horror like they like in 2021, even though they did do the Fear Street trilogy overall, it was kind of a slow year for horror on Netflix. Hulu is never, you know. Hulu's never really a big player in the horror game. And then over the last couple of years, we see apps like Tubi kind of jumping in the free apps that are providing us with a lot of like forgotten horror and, and even some new stuff like Tubi will actually get stuff the week of release in, in some instances. So um, but what I wanted to talk about was our favorite horror streaming app. And that is, of course, Shudder. It may not be your favorite horror streaming app, but obviously, if you look at the numbers, the subscription numbers, it's very obvious that Shudder is the number one horror streaming app, you know, over stuff like, um, you know, Screambox and uh, what else? FearNet, I think, is another one. So, I mean, there are multiple horror, you know, streaming apps out there, but I wanted to talk about our favorite because over the last few years, um, working on Fresh Cuts, we kind of see the trends with Shudder. We see that. Over the last few years, and you know, you may not agree with this statement. This is my opinion and my opinion only. But over the last few years, Shutter's been having some pretty good years. I mean, last year they did the VHS movie, which ended up in my top five for 2021. Um, and then just various other examples of great films that they've been putting out. What I wanted to talk about today with the burning question is, and to get the opinions of my co-hosts as well, is... What do we think about Shudder in 2022? As I said, we're only a quarter of the way through the year, but even a quarter of the way through the year, that's usually enough to give you kind of an idea of where the year is going in horror. Not to say that it couldn't get a lot better overall and that it couldn't get better for Shudder, but I'm just noticing a trend where Shudder is putting out a lot of films that are in kind of in a range where I never would have thought that they would put out like they're, now they're putting out straight to video stuff. Like I mentioned, I live alone during uh, the, what we've been watching segment. Um, you uh, Also the scary of 61st again, I'm sorry. I live alone is not shutter. I meant scary of 61st specifically. Um, but then there's movies like the night, like night's end, which is actually the latest episode of fresh cuts. If you want to check that out, we review the shutter original night's end, which on paper, Looked to be very promising. It looked to be kind of a uh, a spiritual successor to 2020's Host. You know, a movie that lots of people loved when it came out. You know, it was it was the the big pandemic horror movie for 2020, and it you know it, it ended up on a lot of top pe- top ten lists, um, including some number one positions that I saw. But then when you watch The Night's End, it's, wow, in execution, it's just not there. I'm not going to get too deep in The Night's End since it is the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. So if you want our deeper thoughts on that, check out Fresh Cuts. But yeah, um, two two weeks ago, we reviewed a movie on Fresh Cuts called The Spine of Night. Once again, a Shutter exclusive, not a Shutter original this time, but we got a Shutter exclusive and for those who haven't seen it, this is an animated film, uh, an animated film in the rotoscope style of animation made popular by directors like Ralph Bakshi. Yeah. And, and you know, movies like Heavy Metal, not that, you know, not that Bakshi has anything to do with Heavy Metal, but movies of the like, that animation style. So, of course, I am a huge Ralph Bakshi fan, literally my favorite animated director ever. 
So when, you know, when I jump into a movie like this and within the first minute I see the animation style, I'm excited. Well, folks, once again, if you listen to our Fresh Cuts episode for that one, all three of us were very underwhelmed with this movie. Um, in fact, two of us, Don and myself, verbally wondered why the hell this is even on Shudder, because this isn't any more violent than any other, you know, uh, sand and sword uh, you know, fantasy animation movie that we see out there. Yeah, there's people getting decapitated and cut in half, but we see that. You see that in Fire and Ice from the early 80s from Ralph Bosch. Oh, I fucking love that movie. Yeah, which which in comparison to The Spine of Night, Fire and Ice is spectacular. It is a special film. I agree. The Spine of Night is, huh, the Spine of Night is more special like in the Olympics way. So Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's more of like a love letter to those movies. And yeah, it's, it's more in the vein where you're don't expect something new. No, definitely not. But yeah. it's so this story is so convoluted. There are so many characters to follow. Oh, yeah. It almost feels lie. like an anthology because literally you'll be following a character for 20 minutes and then boom, you're following another character and you've forgotten about the original character, you know, and then yeah, there'll be in here that that don't really add anything to the narrative. Like in the review, I talked about a scene with a young couple where they kind of wake up the day after a battle, the day after like um, an opposing army, uh, you know, kind of marauds through their town. So their town is all ash, basically. It's all burnt down in ash. They end up getting up that next morning and then they get caught by enemy soldiers and they end up getting killed. But it's like it's one of those things where we don't know who they are. It adds nothing to the narrative of the story. It just it's an it's like they just wanted to pad the runtime. And it's only an hour and 21 minute film, too. So uh, so that's just, again, just another example of what we're seeing from Shudder. I have yet to see the bunker game, though I haven't necessarily uh, heard the best things, though for 2022, it's probably going to end up being a good shutter release. We'll have to see. Mike Mike and I have already seen the seed, which we both kind of enjoyed. Uh, You know, I I don't think either one of us would try to convince anybody that it's a quote unquote good movie, but there are elements of it that are fun. Um, The creature is kind of cool. Uh, what the creature is actually doing to these women is interesting. I'll leave it at interesting. You may find it cool. You may find it stupid, but um, for, for 2022, uh, I'm going to say the seed is actually a pretty decent release for shutter. And then honestly, the only movie that I can really say without a shadow of a doubt, at least in my own opinion has been a top notch quality movie is going to be hellbender. Hellbender, uh, another film that we reviewed on um, Fresh Cuts. Um, Hellbender is actually very close to the top of my list for 2022. Obviously, I'll I'll review that list at the end of the year, so it may not stay up there. But as of right now, it's pretty high up there. You never Uh, know. It's just, you know, for anybody who hasn't seen Hellbender, it's just a very um, isolated witch movie, just a mother and daughter kind of going about their daily lives in an isolated area. The daughter ends up me- making some new friends and the story just kind of goes on from there. Yeah. Is that the one, is that the mm-hmm. one from the Adams family? Yes, exactly. Yeah. The family. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yep. I'll check that one out. Um, yeah. Uh, all of us on the show, even Don, surprisingly, we, we all love this one. Um, uh, I think Don actually did say that this is his number one movie of 2022 thus far. So, um, so yeah, Shudder is still, I mean, they, this is a Shudder original, so they do, Shudder still knows what a good film is. It just seems like either 
their resources have dwindled and they're just not able to get as many projects in. Maybe they're not able to buy as many films. Like, obviously, the Shutter Originals are Shutter Productions that they're paying for, but then the Shutter Exclusives are the ones that they're picking up, like at, um, at film festivals and things like that. So, like when they got Jacob's Wife at a Fantastic Fest a couple of years ago and then aired it this year, um, or end of last year, I should say, on Shutter. Do, do you think so, part of it's because they're getting into like the bigger distribution game too, where they're they're grabbing rights to movies that they don't automatically throw on the app right away, like it seemed like they used to? Because well, 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 yeah, I remember when I first got Shutter, like I I I even consider myself late to the Shutter game compared to some people, but when I first got it, they had that festivals category on the collections yes, menu, I which they I, they might still have. I don't know, but it seemed like back then, like when I would scroll through that, there was like a lot of good festival stuff, like stuff that was worthy of being on even bigger platforms, but just probably never got a look. And Shutter was snatching them up relatively quick and throwing them on there. It's just that you had to actually go to that um, section because they wouldn't always show up on the the what is it? The new feature or main feature scroll at the, yeah. when you first boot up the app, but it seems like, yeah, and a lot, and it's not even this year. I would say it's like at least going on a year now. It just seems like they're not getting, it's almost like instead of that, they're just getting like poor quality stuff like in its place. And I'm wondering if it's because they're looking for other avenues of revenue and maybe they're thinking, Oh, well, if we're going to be buying the rights to these movies anyway, let's see if we can get them out there in other ways that bring in money before we throw on shutter. Cause I, I have noticed a couple articles before where it's like, Oh, shutter buys exclusive rights to so-and-so movie, which they will like put on like a paper VOD or some type of distribution. And then it'll hit shutter like later this year. And it's like, wait, what? Well, I was just confused when you guys first did Spine Night to begin with, because that's been out for actually a few months now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it just hit Shutter, so, you know, so it was oh. new to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, you know, it was like, you know, because I know it was released by their parent company, RJL Entertainment, which, you know, they actually have a deal with. That's actually the company that releases a lot of, Shutter's movies on Blu-ray and DVD. So what I'm thinking is maybe some of these movies are just regular RJL Entertainment movies that, hey, Shutter, if you want us to keep putting your movies on Blu-ray, <laughs> put this one on your streaming service. See how it does. Yeah, well, yeah, that just... too. And then, and then you start seeing Shutter stuff show up on AMC, like Creep Show, and I want to say maybe even the first season of Cursed Films. I, I, I'm not sure if it was that or something else that like all of a sudden AMC's airing, and I'm like, well, if they're doing, uh, if they're starting to have a bigger partnership, I'm like, hey, AMC, start throwing those funds Shutter's way to get to let them get like bigger stuff, you know, especially original content. Yeah. Or, well, they, they did. They did sign that new Argento movie, which is, you know, that's a big one. Maybe some of these shitter movies help make money, so they could buy these other movies. I don't know. I mean, that's the only thing I could figure is that maybe Shutter is picking up these titles cheap. I mean, because ultimately, even if a movie is not that good, if there's only one place you can watch it, then at least you can still claim exclusivity to that title, yeah. even if it is a movie that's not very good, like a scary of 61st or something. I mean, 
yeah, it may not be a very good film, but if anybody wants to watch it, you got to subscribe to Shudder. So that's probably their mentality with picking up some of these lesser known and hopefully cheaper films. Because, you know, yeah. like I said, some of the ones that they've put out this year are just not living up to their standards. Now, I did do some research trying to find out, like, maybe they got a new curator. Um, but no, from the information that I can find online, uh, Colin Gads and Sam Zimmerman are still the curators at Shutter. have been since day one. So um, so it's not necessarily a change at the top that's kind of bringing down the quality. So, yeah, you know, Mike's point, Mike made a couple of points, actually, that make sense. Um, you know, there's there's potentially other reasons. Maybe they spent so much money in 2021 and 22 that they're kind of uh, maybe their budget for uh, or excuse me, so much money in 2020 in, and 2021 that maybe their 2022 budget is lacking. Uh, that's always potentially a possibility. Um, they did get Jacob's Wife, which was a rather big release that year that can't imagine that was cheap to get the exclusive rights for that one. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I did some research and I can't find anything glaring online that shows any kind of change in management at Shutter or any kind of change in budget or how much they're spending. Um, so honestly, this burning question is really more for my co-host. Like, what do we think is happening here? Because, I mean, I, I love Shutter. I, I absolutely love Shutter. Uh, you know, the, every, I, I was one of the early adopters, I think, back in 2015. I grabbed the Shutter app. I grabbed Shutter and Screenbox at the exact same time, uh, and Screenbox was a lot cheaper. It was actually like half the price of Shutter, but they didn't have the library that Shutter had. And this is an early Shutter library too, before they had any originals, before they had any series. It was basically just the staples of horror, you know, mm-hmm. the Friday the Thirteenth, the Halloweens, and whatnot. And it was still a better app even back then. Now, with all the original content, original productions, the return of old favorites like Creepshow, the series, I mean, it seemed like in 2020, Shudder was almost unstoppable. And and like I said, this isn't necessarily a commentary on their business practices. Like, they might be still making more money now than they ever have. That's not necessarily my concern. My concern here is the quality of the content that they're giving us. The fact that in the first three months of 2022, they've already given us like two or three shot on video films that are just not very good. And, you know, like I said, I'm not saying shot on video in and of itself isn't good. There's plenty of shot on video that is watchable, that looks great and fun, but they're just not finding it this year. I I don't know. Any you guys got anything else? I mean, yeah, I, I'm wondering too if I, I think we're seeing, and it's not brand, it's not a brand new shift. I think it's over what the last maybe even five years or longer is. We're kind of seeing a shift in VOD platforms where they're really starting to use uh, use original content to bring people in. It's not so much the library, and I think that's one disadvantage shutters always had it's because it's not like they don't have any original content obviously last drive-in which comes with some name value because joe bob was known but you know before last drive-in um they have creep show um there and there's some like other stuff they did the elvira special but when it's like when you when you look at the bigger platforms like netflix or just you know prime uh apple hulu I, I think the days of being able to sell people on, hey, you can watch a lot of movies on our app that 
from the vault or the archives. I, I don't think as we get further and further into people cutting the cords, I think more people are looking for, you know, these big original either shows or movies and they have to like, because I, I think really kind of HBO almost pushed because I'm trying to look at the timeline of when it happened because Netflix obviously was like, you know, the first one to be a major player in like the just buy, you know, be our customer because we have access to tons of stuff. And then HBO kind of countered that with, well, we can't compete with your library, but you subscribe to HBO because we just make a bunch of good shit. Right. And, and then to me, that's kind of where the switch happened where the Netflix was like, well, shit, we, if we're going to compete with that, we got to start making our own stuff. And then it kind of trickled down to all the other platforms. But the problem is when you start getting to the smaller and smaller platforms that don't have that budget, I feel like, you know, without, you know, I don't, none of us know their exact finances and what budgets they have available, available to do what, but I think it's a safe bet to say shutter because of having a niche audience, at least for now, I don't know how, they are excuse me they could be running into like a brick wall to where like we there's not much more we can do in that department at least at this point unless like some of our parent companies just like really invest into us and say hey we want your platform to get to that next level so we're gonna you know throw you millions of dollars to start making movies because like even if it was even being like a horror specific, mostly um, there is like, you know, some sci-fi and stuff on there, but being majority horror, it's not that people wouldn't watch their original content, but you're going to have to like actually make like, you know, a quality title stuff to get people to subscribe based on your movies. I, I don't think anymore that you can just be like, Oh, you can watch a bunch of horror movies from the seventies and eighties. And that's the reason I, it's a selling point for me because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm a, you know, and maybe for us because we're all hardcore horror friends and it's still only, I think what it's $6 now instead of five. So it's still very inexpensive, but in a world where everyone's being asked to subscribe to 20 different streaming channels, it's like, yeah. okay, stuff like shutters, it probably ends up the odd, app out just for that purpose alone i mean that's that's kind of how i square it in my mind no that's valid absolutely i mean the the litany of streaming options out there is going to affect any previous uh, apps bottom line that's understandable yeah Um, because i i and to me like even goes beyond shutter because it's shutter is not the only app that kind of falls into that because there there's other apps i have that I barely even ever open. And, and a lot of the reasons I got those apps was because they're, you know, they made a show to launch with and it was like, okay, that's a good show. And then they haven't really done a lot since that interests me. And because I rarely go to apps anymore because, um, just to like browse. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't do it because there's so much original stuff being made that, that most between that and then watching like 2022 horror stuff that takes up most of my free time to just watch stuff. So I think that's another thing is you're also limited or you're dealing with people's limited uh, time to just spend on it. It's, it's sometimes it's probably not even the money. It's just because I've often asked that to myself, you know, when I, when I load up my fire stick and I'm scrolling through all my apps and I'm like, man, like I have all this content, but, are at my fingertips, like access to it 
for what purpose? Because I don't really watch it. And if, if there was like a new, maybe like, you know, 10 years down the road, there'll be a new model where you, I, I don't even know how it would work. It's like, I just want the original content from all the apps. <laughs> if there was like a plan that just says when we produce stuff, you get access to that and you don't even care about the archives. You know, who knows? It's, it's, That's actually it's, not a bad idea. A lot of people only care about new content. Provide a new content membership that's a little bit cheaper than the standard membership. I, I could see that working. Yeah, and that might also play into all the like the people that still f- collect physical media too. Because I, I, I'm willing to bet that people who continue to collect physical media having access to these archives isn't as big a deal to them too. Because they have, you know, some some of our friends in the community have thousands of movies that they can go watch. They don't need the apps for that anyway. I mean, yeah. honestly. One of the movies that we're talking about today is the first non-new horror movie I've watched on Shudder probably in in six to nine months at least. You know, I, I don't go back because, like you said, I actually am a physical media guy. Any movie that I would consider a favorite or an all-time favorite, I'm going to own. There's no reason not to. Yeah, Shudder is great for the occasional movie that maybe I, I never – deemed worth spending 20 30 bucks on to just watch you know every couple of years or whatever but my favorites i already have here the stuff that i'm more likely to watch i have here so literally yeah for this review was the first time i watched a non-2022 movie on shutter definitely this year but going back in the last year as well oh yeah (laughs) but i mean at the same time too i mean it's it's kind of the casuals that something like a shutter is going for somebody who loves horror, but maybe isn't a media collector. I I would imagine that would be their target market. Someone who's actually going to use the app daily. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a double edged sword there too. Cause it's like, it's like the hardcore horror fans. How can I explain it? So yes, you want to appeal to the, but the problem is, is it too niche of a group to really advance your business model? But the flip side of that is, is a casual horror fan going to get shutter? And, you know, there might be two to three movies that look interesting to them. And when they start seeing all these like, you know, 70s giallos on there, they're going to be like, what the hell is this? I don't want to watch this, you know, like because it's the, the same thing. Pieces? Right. It's the same thing we run into when people are like, recommend me a horror movie. Like, what do you like? And it's like, well, I can't recommend you 90 percent of stuff I like. Not because I'm embarrassed, not because I don't think it's good. But I know, you know, if you know the person you're recommending it to, it's like, why would I recommend this thing to you when I know you're just not going to like it or have, you know, nothing good to say, say about it. So I think that's another thing they run into with when casual people might get shutter for a month or two or something you know sure sure yeah. uh, i don't know what are you gonna so do? in summer we, we solved no issue but we have oh no nothing's getting solved <laughs> there's so much yeah. honestly yeah. for me it's very hard for me to actually watch Shutter because i still have it on chromecast i actually had to mm-hmm. unhook a cord from my tv and plug my chromecast and anytime i want to watch shutter because i have a streaming tv but there's no fucking app for it to download on my tv that's, oh, that's fucking not... that's fucking annoying as fuck. I had to download it on my TV because uh, 
the Shutter app still isn't available on PlayStation Five or Xbox Series consoles. So I I have to have it on my TV. Oh, it was it was it was on the older Xboxes, right? Just not yes, the new one. It was on the yeah. It just wasn't on the new console. Oh, so when I bought yeah, the new cut, okay. like, can we just have like an app for everything that like thing that could download an app? What the fuck, more Shutter? Time? I'm sorry. Say that I again. Was, I was just gonna say, can we just have like a thing where we could download the app on every fucking device, Shutter? Yeah, too much license. Yeah, I don't understand because it's all like licensing. Venom was saying, it's it's not on the new Xbox, but it's never been on any PlayStation, and I don't I don't get it. I'm like, it's just a movie streaming app, right? It's not like some weird new technology that is unheard of for. It's a know. matter of how much Sony's willing to pay for it. I mean, it, that's got to be it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, there's another app that I use, um, NHK World Japan. It's it's where I watch all my sumo wrestling. Um, that one's not available on any consoles either, even though it's available on every streaming like device, like an Apple TV or a Fire Stick. Um, but yeah, no PlayStation, no Xbox. So, I mean, it's all licensing. It's all a matter of who the third party manufacturer thinks, you know, is going to tune into this app. Like if Microsoft doesn't think they're going to get thousands of people watching a Japanese app on their service, they're not going to pay for it. So, you know, the, the the actual business aspect of it, I do understand. I do wish, though, that Shudder being the number one horror um, streaming app in the country would make efforts to be available more readily. Because, yeah, I mean, it, it's been, I haven't checked in a while, but as of when the consoles came out, Shudder was not available on any of those. That's another thing, too. It's like you've got a big console release coming out you know that millions of people are going to buy that console week one. Why would you not already have taken care of having your app on there? Netflix was already on there. Hulu was already on there. Why the fuck is Shutter not on there? It makes me want to just fucking just cancel Shutter and go to AMC Plus. Then I could just, because you could watch all the Shutter shit on there too. That's true. Yeah. Even Amazon Prime has a Shutter uh Edition, yeah. Where if you're a Prime member, you can add Shutter to your subscription for a price, whatever it is. So yeah, I mean, there's options out there, there's avenues out there, there's lots of competition as we've already talked about, but very little of all of that has anything to do with the quality of what Shutter's putting out. So I mean, all I can say is fingers crossed that they can bounce back for the rest of 2022, because so far for the first quarter, I have been very disappointed. I mean. I literally, I can only name one good movie that they've released out of, what, at least 20 to 25 movies they've put out in 2022. I can name one good one, and that's unfortunate. And it's very angry for me because I had to unhook all that shit to just to plug that thing in. And the movie yeah. I watched was Turd Valley. <laughs> you should have asked us first. We'd have told you. <laughs> but, yeah. So that's it, folks. I mean, what do you guys think? Is the, is this a business decision? Uh, do you think maybe the, the the curators at Shutter discovered a new drug that's making their brain into mush? I mean, what do you yeah. got? Is it money? or yeah, or if you're like the opposite of what it sounds like we are, where you actually do subscribe to Shutter for the archives, then let us know that too, because I'm yeah. sure there are people out there that are hardcore horror fans and maybe just haven't seen a bunch of like uh, what's available on there. So maybe to them, it's like that is a big reason they subscribe. Yeah, absolutely. And tell us, now. and ultimately, we, you know, it, this is just an opinion, too. I mean, if you completely disagree with us or me specifically, I brought this topic to the table. If, if you think I'm completely off base and Shudder actually is still releasing good stuff, that it's just my fickle ass that doesn't <laughs> seem to like a lot of it. 
let me know. I mean, please join the conversation. Shudder, Twitter, wherever you can find us and let us know what the hell is going on with Shudder. And if either of the curators by any freak of nature are actually listening, please realize that I do still love your service. I'm just worried about the future when you have a three to four month stretch where you've only put out one good new movie. That's that's it's concerning is all. So. Uh-huh. Turd Valley. Oh. Oh, all right. Uh, With that, we're going to take a break, pack our bags, and head to the woods for um, a couple movies <laughs> where I guess well, weekend warrioring goes wrong. Eh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> yum, yum. It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, your sweet tooth. So visit our refreshment center now. Let's go! And now, on with the show. If you go down in the woods today, you're sure of a big surprise. If you go down in the woods today, you're sure of a big surprise. This animal has only been dead for a couple of hours. Look, Harry, somebody's playing a very sick game with us, and I want to know who, and I want to know why. If you go down in the woods today, you better go in disguise. April's dead, Harry. Was it a man? Oh, yeah, We're in the middle of nowhere, Mitzi. No one's gonna help us. Hey! What is this happening to us? Somebody has stolen that boots! Why would anyone steal five pairs of boots? Get off it, DJ. Look! Two months ago, I sent everyone Xerox sheets of what I would supply and what you were to bring. You were to bring extra shoes and your toothbrushes. I supplied everything else. Five doctors on their annual ritual just trying to have a good time. But this is the year they should have stayed at home. Rituals isn't a picnic. You're in for a big surprise. Run for your life. The nightmare has begun. It will find you in the hour when dream and reality merge. The last desperate moment of darkness. Oh, who is it? 
just before dawn. They were warned. At least tell me where you're going. So that when you don't come back, I'll know how to fill out the report. But they did not understand the warning. They came to the mountain for adventure and escape. What they found was a trial which only the strongest could survive. How could they know that beneath the awesome beauty of nature lay violence, danger, and death? You see all the blood? How could they know the heat of their bodies was the magnet that would draw the terror to them? No more devils. No more. No more nothing out there. Just God's little creature. You saw them kids? Don't worry, I got fear again. Good mind to just let them have their due. Just before dawn, they will cry out. Just before dawn, the demon lives. If only they could die in their sleep. All right, we have set up the campsite in the woods. Hopefully we are not murdered before the end of the episode. So let's get into our movies. Um, to open the show, I kind of mentioned that uh, these are movies that kind of came in a wake of deliverance that it's kind of like the go-to i would say not even necessarily for horror fans but just movie fans in general that's the one movie everybody seems to know about a group of friends going out to uh the woods i believe way and that's like the west the river in west virginia or somewhere in that region i think um and uh bad things happen to them so that spawned lots of movies and um yeah. the movies for this show this is only two two of the very many out there so i, I kind of joked and said volume one because like many of the other episodes we do you know i uh, don't be surprised to see the themes like return in the future now uh, when it comes to these two i also mentioned it was kind of a happy coincidence that i i kind of picked two that show uh, kind of different uh, approaches to it because um, the first one, which is Rituals from 1977, I feel like this one really modeled itself after the Deliverance style. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more when we get into the movies. Whereas the next one, because it came out, uh, I looked it up in December 81, the kind of subgenre I had more seemed to mold itself more to like the slashers that were coming out at the time. Um, even though, you know, it does kind of follow like the group, uh, mm -hmm. goes out to the woods, but it's a different kind of group and a different kind of movie. It just is more setting wise. It's like, it can fall under the deliverance umbrella, I guess, yeah. but we'll get into that when we get to that movie a little bit more. But so first up is rituals. Um, uh, short and sweet uh, synopsis here on IMDb. Five doctors on a wilderness outing are stalked by disfigured, crazed killers. This is Wrong. listed as 
Yeah, I mean, it's that's already wrong. Already it feel, wrong. It feels like that. Someone just apply that to like every movie in this subgenre. Yeah, because that's so vague and not even correct. Um, it's listed as adventure, thriller, horror. Uh, stars Hal Halbrook or Holbrook, Lawrence mm-hmm. Dane, Robert Gamble. Um, some uh, who else is in this? Uh, Other Canadian people. Yeah, yeah, a, a lot Canadian. of Canadians. <laughs> um, so uh, rituals. Um, I'll say for myself. Yeah, this this one definitely did feel like they wanted to follow um, a lot of uh, takes from. Um, Deliverance. However, in a movie like Deliverance, it kind of felt like the struggle during the movie almost brought them together in a way where this one, their friendships, <laughs> the ties in their friendships kind of fall apart relatively quick under stress. And this one where it's like our, you start questioning were these guys that good of friends to begin with because uh, they don't handle the situation very well. As far as the bond with them goes, um, a lot of familiar stuff happens in this. If you, if you see movies from the subgenre. And then it kind of ties um, – we figure out why they're being stalked and by who and what exactly is going on. And it felt like you know they tried to offer a little bit of subtext. I, I, you know, I've read that some of you can take it as allegories from like uh, returning from the war or effects of the war on the mind, all that kind of stuff. But uh, for now, let's go around and see – what people thought about rituals if it was a first time watch. So Venom, I'll start with you uh, first time or not. And what did you think of rituals? Uh, This was a first time watch. I had never even heard of this film before. In fact, I thought they were talking about uh, when you said ritual the first time, I thought you meant Joko Arnoir's ritual, which doesn't seem to fit the uh, theme that you're going for. So I knew it had to be something else. And then I looked it up and saw it is a 77 film starring Hal Holbrook um so yeah first time watch and you know what i walked away absolutely loving this movie this movie is legitimately great and it's got to do with performances only these performances is is specifically from hal holbrook and lawrence dane these are some stellar performances like they they run it is a literal tour de force like they are running the gamut of emotions of just everything that could possibly happen on a camping trip, both good and bad and how they're dealing with it. Like Mike said, this movie, this movie really is a story more about how friendships break down under peril. Um, Cause, because honestly, when I was done watching this movie, the Crowley brothers are almost secondary in this movie. The, the, uh, the, the Crowley, the, the antagonists of the film, uh, Jesse and Matthew Crowley, they're, they they almost don't even need to be there. I mean, obviously they need to be there because they're the ones that are the catalyst for all the bad luck that these campers are having. You know, somebody throwing a beehive at them, things like that, stealing <laughs> their boots. Obviously, this is all these are intentional, you know, um, well, pranks, if you want to call them pranks. But uh, these are intentional attacks uh, towards these doctors that are out in the woods. But. The movie isn't about them. Like if you watch a movie like A Wrong Turn or a La- uh, the, the Hills Have Eyes, those movies are solidly about the killers. They're about what they've gone through, what they are now doing, what they will continue to do. This movie doesn't delve that much into the Crowleys at all. We get a little bit of backstory. We find out who they are and why they might have problems with these doctors or any doctors. But um, it's still really minimal. 
But like I said, the, the beef of this movie is in these relationships. It's in these five men who are out camping, um, you know, trying to get away from it all. Apparently, this is something that they do every year where, where one member of the group takes turns every year uh, deciding where they go. Very similar to 2018's uh, The Ritual. <laughs> go figure. It's similar titles. Um, where it was the same thing. It, um, the, the ritual was a little bit more nuanced because uh, that group suffered a tragedy before the trip. So there was a little bit more to that one. Whereas this one, you know, we see our five men starting their trip right when the movie starts. No, you know, no, no tragedy or, you know, no, no secrets that somebody's trying to get away from anything like that. It's legitimately just five doctors trying to enjoy their summer vacation but just watching these guys break down at every turn, like, you know, from from losing their boots to getting attacked by bees to falling down a hill. I mean, just it seems like at every turn, this the friendship of these five gentlemen is being tested. And I absolutely loved it. And to watch Lawrence Dane's mental breakdown in this film, because, I mean, Lawrence Dane's character, Mitzi. See, almost seems to be the guy that has the most on the ball when the movie starts. Like he's the most um, charismatic, if you will. You know, he's very outgoing. He always knows the right thing to say, stuff like that. He's the Burt Reynolds of this movie. Thank you. I'll go with that. Absolutely. But then he just fucking, as the movie goes along, he just turns into a quivering pile of jello. Like yeah, it just every every little peril that occurs to this group, he breaks down more and more until the end of the movie. He's literally, you know, on his deathbed, not literally a bed, but he's in the throes of his death. And he's he gets mandied. What's that? He gets mandied. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. It, in in it, it may, one of the it, better it, scenes in the film, actually, but still. Yeah, it it kind of makes me wonder if there's a little subtext going on there as far as like what makes an authoritative figure in civilized world versus you know out in nature because yeah. um, I there was a show on Showtime this past is a new I guess what do they call it new show season or whatever called Yellow Jackets that was semi Lord of the Flies ish but you know more it, that that was like a a basic uh, take on the show but they kind of did a similar thing with the the group of girls where the the girls who seem like natural leaders back at school when like the social structure of you know a normal school a sports team um was the hierarchy like those certain personalities um shine through but once they got into the wilderness and that kind of hierarchy broke down where like popularity and social status didn't really matter when you're out there fighting for your life, then different people kind of assume the roles. And I think um, they're kind of playing with those themes here too. We're like, Hey, you know, when we're in our offices and you can come off as Mr. Badass, but when you're out here, when the shit hits the fan, it's not always the same people that rise up to like overcome that stuff. Yeah. I mean, we see that theme in a lot of these types of movies where, you know, the, the domineering people out in the city or in their normal lives, are the first ones to break down when the shit hits the fan. What what you have to realize is that there there's two different kinds of leaders. There are people that can be leaders in the perfect world, pe- people that can be leaders when everything is going right. 
So a lot like Mike was talking about with yellow jackets, like when these girls are back at school in their perfect situation where they're taken care of and there's no peril in their life. Yes, a certain group of them, usually the ones with the bigger personalities, they kind of flourish to become the leaders of the group. But then there are the leaders who can be leaders when they need to be. And those are the people that always shine through in these types of films, the people that literally that legitimately have intestinal fortitude that when they're actually tested, they come through um, as opposed to, you know, uh, the, the people who are the social, the social lights of the group, the, the people who are the leaders back in the world. Um, you know, the great thing about movies like this is it shows how absolutely useless that type of leadership is to, to be a leader when everything is going well. It's easy to be a leader, you know, like it's easy to be the CEO of Apple when they're the biggest company in the world. But when the shit starts to hit the fan, you know, for you know one reason or another, be it sales or be it government interaction, whatever the case may be. No one wants to be the leader then, you know, no one wants to lead a large corporation when potentially the shit could hit the fan. And these movies point that out beautifully. And this one, especially, like I said, I walked away barely even thinking about the Crowleys in this movie. Like I said, to me, they were a secondary aspect of this movie. It literally could have been any one or two people doing this to them. Like the Crowleys were nothing special other than the fact that they do have a little bit of a connection with these doctors that we'll get into later. But yeah, just to cut off my, <laughs> what turned out to be an extremely long general thoughts short. Um, I just love this movie. I, I walked away. Potentially this is now my favorite deliverance style ripoff, if you will. And to talk, to speak about Mike and how, where these movies, Mike's point specifically, and where these movies are going, I think these were great picks because this shows a transitional period in the campers lost in the woods um, subgenre, you know, whereas Deliverance definitely kept it in a real world way where there wasn't necessarily a horror or supernatural element. It was just these rednecks just having fun with these city boys. We see the transition now where these movies are going from deliverance to wrong turn, where it's not a worry about getting, you know, anally raped by a redneck so much as getting cut into pieces and getting eaten by a redneck. And I like this transitional period, especially with a movie like this with Rituals, because like I said, Rituals, this this would be a solid movie without the horror element, in all honesty, to just watch these five guys go through situations in the woods and then break down and, and the arguments and the petty discussions and everything else that alone was worth the price of admission for me. But yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say with the, with the way the characters are and how they interact and the personality like switches and stuff, it could have been merely a movie where they're out weekend warrior being weekend warriors and they just get lost and they're trying to find their way back to civilization and no one's hunting them or, you know, stalking them or whatever and you still get the same outcome just because of uh, how they are as characters yeah i mean this is i mean this next statement's a little bit of a spoiler but ultimately this is a 1977 movie most of our five uh members of our group are dead before we even see any of the antagonists now granted the ones who die do die specifically because of 
direct attacks from the killers. It's just we don't see them. We don't even see like we might see a silhouette like in the distance about halfway through the movie. But it's literally not until the third act when a majority of our original five are already dead that we finally see the brothers, uh, Jesse and Matthew. And I like that. Like I said, that that's what's kind of lending that credence to me that this movie is a, just a good movie. It's not a, it's not just a good horror movie. It's just a great movie. It's a great dramatic performance from, you know, these five gentlemen, obviously with Hal Holbrook and Lawrence Dane kind of leading the festivities because they get the kind of the bulk of the dialogue in the movie. Uh, on top of the fact that there are final two of the group, uh, there are final two survivors. So obviously they have the most interaction, but yeah, just, just those two actors and their performances alone is worth the price of admission for this one. So uh, yeah, guys, shut me off. Shut, you cut me off before I fucking take up the rest of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, rituals. Not a first time watch for me. Uh, yeah, I like it. It, the problem, the, uh, it's not the movie itself. It's probably the print of the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because even the Blu-ray is not that great. Because it's, some scenes are better than others. And, you know, especially during those nighttime scenes, I'm like, who the fuck is talking right now? <laughs> you know? So that that's kind of disheartening for the. I can't really blame the movie itself for that. It's just the transfers of this movie kind of look like ass. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not uh, the movie. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say just honestly, you could make that argument about both of our movies this week, but it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could say that. I think uh, I think because I know the Blu-ray for Rituals is made with different prints. And piece together, and you could actually tell because one scene, and then it goes to a different quality like five seconds later. That's too bad. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, but yeah, I like this movie a lot. Like I, I agree with a lot of the points that Venom said, especially about Hal Holbrook and Lauren Stain, who, yeah, uh, like man, like let's just leave him here. And then all of a sudden, he's judging Hal Holbrook for killing the other guy. I'm like. Really? Yeah, Mitzi is a dick throughout this entire movie. Yeah. Uh, good old Lawrence Dane. He's always good at playing a dick. Yeah. He's a dick in Scanners, too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a good movie. I, I like it a lot. I like the, the head games that the uh, the Matthews doing with these guys, especially with the, in the very beginning with the severed darehead. Yeah. Which, which was real. Mm-hmm. I found that out, and you know, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty great. I love the score to it. It's very, mm-hmm. you know, the main theme is very like harmonizing. Like, oh, it's gonna be a nice peaceful like movie, you know. And then you watch it, you're like, oh, that's not great. <laughs> and no, I mean, the movie's great, but I mean, like mm-hmm. the situation yeah. that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, it's great in that sense, and, yeah, and, you know, it also dwells a little bit, you know, because in Deliverance, you know, you get, like, that fucking sense of, it's just real life and nature, and you don't even know if, at one point, you know, because, you know, the one hillbilly fucked the other dude, but, like, in the during, they don't even know if the 
their hillbilly that they kill actually even shot anybody or anything. Where, you know, in this one, you know, it's playing more on the psyche that somebody is fucking with them, you know, planting booby traps in the rivers. Ooh. Yeah. Booby traps. But, uh... That's yeah, intense. Spare traps in the river? That's crazy. <laughs> that's insane. That takes a lot of work. Yo, and, you know, the, the best scene of this movie is exactly where, you know, they just wake up, and there's a severed head of one of their friends waking up. They're like, they're like, holy shit, they, we, they could have just cut our throats. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he definitely, Matthew uh, Matthew Crowley in this movie definitely seems to enjoy fucking with these guys. I even have it in my notes. Like, whenever uh, we have one of these campers out in the woods type horror movies, nothing ever happens on the first night as far as an actual kill. It's usually, like, some kind of fucking with them, maybe stealing some items of theirs, things like that. I'm always like, why do these, you know, why do these forest killers always want to take their time? Like, just get it done on the first night. Who cares? You know? But, yeah, every single time, nothing happens on the first night. And the killers are, and the killers are our next movie, just like the weird stuff. Like, hey, I just want this. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the killers in our second movie definitely... I mean, even though they're giggling like idiots, I don't think they're enjoying their their time nearly as much as uh, Matthew Crowley is. <laughs> they're like, I just want these sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. But anyways, yeah, great movie. Hal Holbrook, the man. Although, I will admit, he could have probably saved Lawrence Dane if he just healed himself a little bit faster. He was taking his fucking time with that artery. He's like, I got to get it right. It hurts, though, man. Setting yeah. off gunpowder on an open wound, that shit's yeah. a tickle. Yeah, huh. he's like, and this is before Rambo 3. Was exactly. Like, Ram <laughs> you know, Ram John Rambo was like, I watched Rituals, I will do it now. <laughs> <laughs> and one of, the, one of the really nice things I like, I know, I, I, I'm delving away from general thoughts now, but one of the things I really liked about this movie was that ending. And I, I don't mean the finale. I mean, like, literally the last shot. I fucking love that last shot. Basically, our yeah. final survivor, I won't say who in case anyone cares, but our final survivor, finally, after hiking for days, finally finds a road. Uh, but instead of someone driving by and picking him up and then the credits roll, he sits in the road. He literally sits in the middle of the road, and then the camera just slowly pans back while the credits are playing. So rather than actually seeing him rescued, potentially his horror may not be done, you know, and I, I love that kind that little tiny bit of ambiguity that, yeah, he got to the road, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's safe. So there's that little extra bit of mystery of, you know, whether he will actually survive or not. I love that. Yeah. And they, I feel like it was purposeful that because I kept waiting to see if like a shot in distance, you would see a car coming down the road. And to the best of my eyesight, there was no car coming. So we really don't know. Yeah. yeah I love that. That tiny little bit of vagueness. I, I, I don't usually like vague endings. Ultimately, this isn't a vague ending. You know, we have the, we, we have a distinct ending, you know, the, you know, without getting too much into the ending, you know, it's, it's very, very solid, very, to the point, there's no real mystery to it. The only, literally, the only mystery to the ending is, does somebody eventually pick up our survivor, or does he just die of exposure on the road? <laughs> oh, and then the end of the last movie is like, you just watch some heavy metal music playing. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, yeah. So uh, Rituals is currently streaming on Shutter. It might be somewhere else too. It might be on Tubi. Uh, it's on Prime. On Prime, okay. Prime. That was where I watched it. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Um, so yeah, check that out, and then uh, we will transition now, I guess, right into just before dawn. So uh, I know when I was kind of doing my opening spiel. And then Venom, you, you mentioned Wrong Turn. I would even say, like, this has influences of, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th. Like, because it, it kind of feels like Friday the 13th in, like, the woods woods. Now, I know technically Camp Crystal Lake was sort of in the woods in a campsite. But I guess this is, like, the uh, even further into nature woods. Tweedledee, like, Tweedledum. You th- know. This definitely feels like more of, like, okay... Uh, we'll set them up. Uh, we'll set up a group of people going to the woods, but this is straight like slasher <laughs> uh, yeah. style. Um, so, uh, synopsis on IMDb: Five young people venture into the backwoods of Oregon to claim a property and find themselves being stalked by a hulking, machete-wielding psychopath. Also um, wrong. Yeah, sort of, sort of wrong <laughs> too. Wrong. But but this one could be wrong on purpose because it's yeah. trying to keep it vague without. This was a slur. Yeah, I'm okay with yeah. this. Yeah. Now I do know when I when I first started because I I had seen this like a long time ago, um, but I forgot that the opening scene is like a setup because when I when I was watching it this time, I love it. Um, I was like, I was like, wait a minute, did did this movie pick up like well into it? And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> this is kind of like a cold opening style. Um, that we get. Uh, but the but, dude from Sleepaway Camp, he's amazing in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got George Kennedy in this movie. Like, how did they land him for this? You know. <laughs> um, yeah, in yeah I, I actually, you know, he's, he's made the rounds and all sorts of stuff. Really, yeah. he's in a, he's in a few Roger Corman movies. You know, exactly. Yeah, this is before uh, Police Squad, before his kind of resurgence in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris Lemon is in this, and he's been in some stuff of of note. I know he's in Wishmaster. Does um, anybody else think that Chris Lemon looks like Wings Hauser? Kind of. He looks <laughs> I like someone. Wings Hauser. I thought Wings Hauser was in this, and I'm like, wait a minute. How old would he be in 1981? I mean, <laughs> granted, it would have fit, but does that, does that mean that Wings Hauser's his mom and Jack Lemon is his dad? Oh God. <laughs> He looks like a picture of Jack Lemmon. He does look like J.F. Lemmon. He definitely does look like his dad. Oh, that's his dad, yeah. uh, Elements of him, like certain scenes, especially the rope bridge scene, the second rope bridge scene, when the rope bridge gets cut, I'm looking at him like, that's fucking Wings Hauser. That's Wings (laughs) Hauser, god damn it. Let me find out if Wings Hauser was his stunt double. That's funny. So... Yeah, so like I said, this one definitely starts the transition, or maybe it's already in full transition of being straight, like, horror slasher in the woods genre, and uh, I I think this movie is absolute fun. Like, I, I would say, you know, overall, is it as good a quality as Rituals in, in the sense of just a, a good movie regardless of genre? Probably not, but as far as, like, dumb fun, like, you're pretty much you know what to expect with this and you get it. And I actually think like the twist is semi entertaining. Like it cracked me up. Like when you figure out what's going on and you get the explanation, um, Oh, they give it away in the first five minutes when we meet the, Oh, twins are a common thing. 
Yeah, yeah. Twins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I'll. I'll kick it to Derek first this time. Derek, what did you see? I, I know this isn't the first time you've seen Just Before Dawn, so what did you think of it? Uh, I personally love this movie. Uh, Jeff Lieberman, as a director, I actually love a lot of his movies. He, uh, before this, he did uh, Squirm, which was the Killer Wear movie, which kind of has a similar feel and style and look to it in general with the griminess of like the setting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he did Blue Sunshine, the LSD makes people go crazy and kill people movie, which I also love. And uh, later on, he would, after this, he did the sci-fi movie Remote Control. And uh, his last movie, which might be, I would consider is his worst movie, is Satan's Little Helper from 2004. Yeah. Oh, God, that fucking movie. Yeah, it's mostly due to the kids before (laughs) <laughs> oh, that fucking kid in that movie. But anyways, uh, yeah, I love the atmosphere of this movie progresses. It all has to do with the sudden, which the sudden itself feels alive in this film. It feels like its own character where, you know, it kind of was missing in rituals for me. But I'm not saying that rituals sudden was bad or anything, but, you know, just them walking through the woods and it helps with that score by Brad Fidel, who three years later would do the Terminator, (laughs) you know, and Fright Night fame. It's actually him that's singing during that fucking song that they're listening to on the radio during the nighttime fire. It's it. See, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the baby song. Yeah. yeah, That's that's Brad Fidel. Oh my God. I wanted to fucking, I, I wanted to shoot the radio before the old guy did. Yeah, let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying it's the best thing, but you know, they they only had license for Blondie. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, you know, and uh, yeah, I love uh, George Kennedy. I love fucking Mike Kennel as the drunken crazy dude. <laughs> <laughs> demons, demons. What's a demon to you? Uh, he's tall, taller than you. As <laughs> okay. big as the mountain. And Greg Henry, a young Greg Henry's in this movie as Warren, uh, who would later go on to be in like movies like Slither and Guardians of the Galaxy, a lot of James Gunn stuff. Uh, I like him, and he, he's kind of like the Burt Reynolds character in this movie, where once shit hits the fan, he bitches out too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, his girlfriend, Deborah, is the John Voight of this movie, where she's showing like, scenes of like, oh, I don't like this. And later, she becomes, like, the greatest fucking thing ever where she just fucks each other. And she just, because the movie Feast definitely ripped this movie off with the, when they killed that monster at the end. And, you know, she shoves the fucking fist right through her fucking this thing's throat. And I'm just, like, singing, like, Dio in the middle of the background. Like, oh, middle of the I'm like, this is great. But, but you know, the killers themselves, yeah, they're played by the same person, which makes sense. And, you know, the look of them, you know, it's what I respect. You know, if you're a fan of more mass killers, I could see you hating them. I kind of like the goofiness. They kind of remind me of Tweedledee and Tweedledum, especially with their hairstyle. Mm-hmm. You know, and the and the, their voice. <laughs> 
Yeah, Jesus. The How first... do guys that big have such a weird, squeaky little voice? Uh, I, I love it. It's hilarious. <laughs> and, you know, the redhead chick, Jamie Rose. Kareem Richard. You know, some cheesy shit. You know, the backwoods people I love. You know, the bridge itself is kind of a cool set piece. You oh, know, the rope bridge is awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like about this movie. It, do I think Rituals is a better made movie? Probably for, for what Just Before Dawn does with the budget it has. It's, pretty, it's no slouch. You know, it's one of the, uh, you know, from the year of 81, you know, it's one of the standouts from a great year of horror to begin with. And, you know, it's no slouch and that's a Department, you know, it all it's there with its fucking atmosphere. It dwells in atmosphere is the most important part for a movie for me, you know, in that sense. And this movie has a great atmosphere for me. It just keeps it engaged, and I just like the storytelling aspects. Uh, and seeing George Kennedy on a horse, fucking <laughs> all in. <laughs> but yeah, I like this movie a lot. I'm not gonna. I like Jeff Lieberman, you know. So I'm kind of biased. I'm friends with him on Facebook. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this as far as like characters go, I, I think they're all for the most part pretty likable. But the layers to him is definitely thinned out between yeah. like something this and yeah, yeah. The the more adult characters are like George Kennedy and Mike Kellen's characters, where these kids are like. Yeah, we're just kids going to the woods. He owns this place. Let's party. Yeah, I mean, in the span of the, what, the four years between Rituals and this, we've we've definitely gone from, like, hey, these characters are here to get lost in the woods and get killed, maybe have sex before. Yeah, but I will say also, like, for a lot of, like, slasher movies involving teenagers, they are still like some of the more likable characters from. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't, I didn't even mean to say it as like a bad thing. Just different. Like yeah, uh, you could just see where the the crossover of the genres is there, but it's definitely by the time just before dawn is hitting, it's definitely leaning in the other direction as much more like horror-based as far as, like, how the story works and stuff like that. Um, but it's really, it's still fun as hell, I think. Yeah. Uh, all right, Venom. All right. Not a first-time watch for me. I've seen this a couple of times. Um, and this is the part of the show where I make some enemies. Um, I am not as high on this movie as a lot of people in the community, but I do have a reason. Um, I did not see this movie in the 80s. The first time I saw this movie was in the 90s, probably early to mid 90s. Um, and obviously by that point, the campers getting lost in the woods and stalked by, you know, deformed rednecks was pretty played out. We'd already seen it many times. Um, so it was one of the things where when I, the first time I watched this movie, I, I just thought it was just a cheesy throwaway you know, 80s slasher. Like, I never really thought about it. I, it, it wasn't, at, the, at least the first time I saw it, it wasn't ultra exceptional. It didn't do a whole lot for me. Like I said, these these killers are interesting as, you know, people, 
But obviously, you know, without a mask, without some kind of horrific backstory, without, you know, some kind of exposition, it kind of loses a little bit of the allure. Now, that's how I looked at it when I watched it the first time in the 90s. As I've watched it more over the years, I do see the value in the film. I see that it is an early addition to the Campers in the Woods subgenre of horror. Um, I like... um, the, the whole twin killers thing, I you know, was probably pretty new at the time, though I had already seen Hell Knight years before this movie. So the, the whole second killer reveal, you know, didn't do as much for me here because I saw Hell Knight first. And Hell Knight is also a 1981 movie. Go figure. So um, earlier in 81, whereas this one came out right at the end of the year, like Derek said, um, Hell Knight, I believe, was May of 81. So. You know, I guess we could have paired those two movies, too, as a, you know, second killer reveal episode. <laughs> Hell, a Tower of Evil. There you go. Exactly. Feature. Yep. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So for years, I didn't really see the value in this movie. I thought it was just, like I said, a cheesy kind of throwaway slasher. But the more I watch it, the more I do see how it kind of set the stage for a lot of these kind of movies. Not necessarily the kids going camping and getting stalked by a slasher, like a like a Jason Voorhees type situation, but more the family thing that they kind of touched upon with the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then, you know, kind of um, expanded on with like the hills have eyes, stuff like that. Um, I feel like this was a good progression, even though the entire family isn't necessarily, you know, on board with the killing in just before dawn. It seems like it's just the brothers that are kind of into it. Um, But it's still kind of like I said, it set the stage for things like wrong turn that would be coming in the following decades, Um, which and like I said, being now a podcaster and, you know, having you know, the um, the knowledge base of horror that I have now, I definitely see the value in Just Before Dawn. I still don't look at it as like a classic, but again, that's probably just because of when I saw it. I didn't grow up with this movie. I don't have a nostalgic look back at this movie like a lot of people do. So, you know, try not to hate me if I say I'm not as high on this movie as, you know, most people are. Um, it's just when I saw it. I, you know, I'm a victim of seeing the movie late. I was late to the party. And by the time I got to the party, so many other better parties had happened that to look back at this one and, you know, give it the props it deserves just wasn't something I was about to do in the 90s. And, you know, the type of movie watcher that I was at the time, too. So um, some good performances, some over the top performances, definitely. Um, uh, Jamie Rose in in what is probably the ugliest I've ever seen Jamie Rose. Like when I didn't even know that was Jamie Rose the um, today watching it or yesterday watching it. Like I had forgotten that that was her because I'm like, Oh God, this woman looks kind of harsh, kind of almost manly. But then I saw IMDb and I'm like, Holy shit, it's Jamie Rose who is literally one of the most beautiful redheads ever. But this is a very young role for her. Her hair isn't straight. Like she usually has straightened hair. She's got that curly seventies style do going. So I just remember thinking, wow, I can't believe they like played down Jamie Rose's good looks in this one a little bit. Obviously it's a very early role for her. Um, but still, I just didn't recognize her. Uh, I thought Deborah Benson did a fine job, even though 
I thought her performance at times was all over the place. Like sometimes she was a little too animated. Other times I didn't think she was animated enough, um, you know, given the situation, but still a solid performance. Um, obviously, you know, we already talked about Chris Lemon slash Wings Hauser. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and George Kennedy. I mean, George Kennedy in these genre movies, I don't know. To me, he's never a selling point. Like, I would never watch this movie specifically because George Kennedy was in it. I love his comedy stuff. It just It's the way I've always been. I love his police squad. I love the Naked Gun movies. Like, that's the kind of stuff from George Kennedy. Even the westerns that he's done, um, I, I like a lot of that stuff. But the genre films that he does, some of them are good, but I wouldn't ever say that they're good because of George Kennedy. Like, he's a great guy, a great character actor, fun to watch, blah, blah, blah. I don't think he's given enough material here to play with because he's only in, like, two or three major scenes in this movie. Mm -hmm. he, you know, he's definitely not the star by any stretch. He's the biggest name in the movie, but he's definitely not the star. Um, but just to see him, you know, at the very least, always brings a smile to your face. So, And especially to see him as a good guy, too, because, you know, George Kennedy's a big dude. He could easily... Could have been one of the fucking brothers in this movie if they wanted Maybe to. Maybe their dad, for all we know. Thank well, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. It's like if if this – because it wasn't a first-time watch for any of us, it's not really a question I could have asked. But, like, if, if it would have been a circumstance where one of us was seeing it for the first time, I do wonder, like, because the way George Kennedy kind of shows up and he's kind of aloof and – I. Just trying to be semi helpful to them to like recommend them not going up the mountain, but when they go up anyway, despite his warnings, I like on a first time watch, I always wonder like I wonder if people thought like maybe as more of the family gets revealed, like he's gonna do like, like the Sid Haig thing from House of a Thousand Corpses, where like in the last twenty minutes, like he turns out to be like the grandpa or the dad or yep. or something. Um, I think I vaguely thought that only because of the physicality of it, because the guy who yeah, actually exactly. is their dad is like this skinny little twerpy guy. Like it doesn't seem, and then you look at his wife and it's like those two people made those two people. That just doesn't seem right. Whereas George Kennedy seems like the kind of guy that would have two big sons like that. You know, so. don't forget about Mary cat Logan, Mary cat Logan, uh, <laughs> little cutie pie. I loved her. I thought she was a great character. Yeah. I, I, another, Another great character, you know, she actually is a sibling of, um, oh, what are their names? I forgot. Logan. The family name is Logan. The brothers are Lucas. They're just called Luke. Mountain Twins. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, the Mountain Twins. Um, in, in, in the script, though, they are referred to as Logan. I mean, we don't see it in the movie. It's not referenced in the film, but I'm, I mean in the script. Uh, their character names were Lucas Logan and Luther Logan. Um, I did really like the scene at the church where they walk by the cemetery. And did you notice that every tombstone says Logan? Yeah. And then when you get the reveal later on uh, from George Kennedy that they've been inbreeding, that, you know, you can only inbreed so much before, you know, something goes wrong. And so that's that's just all on, you know, inbred babies that probably didn't survive. And they're all like they didn't like a lot of the tombstones didn't have first names like the babies probably didn't even live long enough to get a name. So they're just, you know, baby Logan or whatever. So I thought that was cool. You see that early enough in the film before you actually find out the name of the family so that it's a nice little reveal later on when George Kennedy does mention the inbreeding. It's like, oh, that's why everybody in that cemetery it was a Logan that totally makes. So I did like that a lot. 
the church scene overall is really good in general. That's where Dan and Megan kind of meet their fates. Uh, I thought just a really well made. That's the scene where we actually get the reveal of the twins of the second yeah. killer. I wish they would have gone with the original idea they had. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but the, in the original script for this movie, they were going to do the reveal of the second killer at the rope bridge where basically uh, Chris Lemon's character, you know, just like in the film, he's crossing the rope bridge. And then when he gets to the end, there's one of the brothers waiting for him. What they were originally going to do was have him turn around, traverse the rope bridge all the way to the other side, and just to have him cut off by the second brother. I think that would have been a way cooler reveal of a second killer than what they actually did. Because what they did here is, you know, while one killer is outside killing Dan, the photographer, and then Megan goes inside the church to hide, she ends up, the second brother literally just walks in nonchalantly and puts Daniel's sunglasses on. And then just chuckles at her. Yeah, he jumps from the roof, I think, because there's a hole in the roof. Exactly. But, yeah, so, I, I don't know. I just feel like the rope bridge, especially because the rope bridge was such a big part of the movie. Like, I think that's one of the more tense scenes in the movie that doesn't involve one of the killers. It's just them crossing that bridge. I mean, that thing looks, I, I wouldn't even attempt to cross that thing. Fuck that. Honestly, I, they could even did it when, you know, he's climbing up. And, you know, I think he they were going to do it. Because honestly, I thought for the longest time, because I kind of agree with you, yeah. you know, I thought I always thought that the rope bridge was the part where they actually did the reveal. Yeah. Because, you know, how the fuck did that guy get all around the other side of the bridge? Exactly. Yeah. Step up, you know, <laughs> but that, I mean, that, I don't know. That's just a personal thing with me. Like I said, I just feel like the reveal of the second killer was just a little lackluster here. It, it was just it was played very nonchalant. Like that, like almost like it wasn't even a reveal to begin with. Now, like Derek mentioned, if you're paying attention and you hear Daniel's earlier comment about why they're noticing so many twins in this area. Yeah, it's it's a fairly obvious giveaway of what we're actually getting later. But I still feel like they kind of dropped the ball with uh, the reveal of the second killer. I think the rope bridge would have been a lot better because then that, imagine the shot. Imagine the shot the aerial shot of of uh, Chris Lemon's character on the rope bridge with a brother on either end of the bridge. That would have been a fucking awesome shot. Um, but we, we get denied that. So what are you going to do? But yeah, like I said, overall, I do enjoy this movie. It's definitely more of a roller coaster ride than Rituals, whereas Rituals is a very grounded, um, you know, movie about relationships. This one is back to being just a straightforward slasher. You know, five kids looking to, you know, get stoned, get drunk, get laid and then get killed. You know, it's um, it, it's bare, it's fairly formulaic, which is why I was saying that I wasn't very high on the movie when I saw it for the first time in the 90s, because for me, it was a lot of been there, done that. I had already seen it so much. Um, had I seen this film in 81, I think I would have, you know, been singing its praises just like most of the community does uh, with this movie. But because I saw it a little bit later and I kind of had to learn as a, a as a older adult the value of this movie, I just don't hold it in the same regard as a lot of other people do. So, you know, late to the party. It's all I can say. Mike? Well, well 
<laughs> yeah, late to the party, late, hopefully not late escaping the woods, because uh, <laughs> if these movies teach us, in, like, I'm not a huge camping person anyway, but uh, these movies have me, um, I guess, justifying that decision. <laughs> that's That's one of the biggest lessons of 80s horror is stay home. Don't be a stranger in a strange land because you're always susceptible. You're always susceptible to an attack, to, you know, prejudice, to, you know, local racism, whatever the case may be. The point is, if you're not the kind of person who's comfortable traveling and going to different new places, that that I feel like that was one of the themes of the 80s. Just stay the fuck home. I even named this chat. Just stay in the city. Because city folks don't belong in the woods. Yeah, it's cool to go to the woods and experience mm-hmm. nature, especially if you live in a big city where, you know, you, you probably only see like one tree a month. Um, I can see the allure of going camping. But my God, as an 80s horror fan, I would never go camping. I mean, there were woods behind my house growing up in Connecticut that I wouldn't want to camp out in. Like my friends would like set up a tent and just camp out like on a Saturday night, maybe. I had seen enough horror movies by the mid eighties that I was like, nah, fuck you guys. <laughs> I'd rather die in my own home than out in the fucking woods. Sorry. He's like, he's like, and then I went out there and murdered them to prove my point. Hey, Hey, <laughs> shut up, shut up. They haven't proven that yet. <laughs> Cold case. No, but yeah, it, like I said, it's just one of those things where I came up, I, I, I got to this movie late, so I didn't build the appreciation that maybe somebody like Derek built up with it, watching it a little bit earlier you know, before the horror tropes were established in his in his in his heart and mind. Um, but I didn't see this movie till two years ago. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh well, then wow, you I'm have kind of different appreciation for this movie that I don't have. Like I said, I I, I had a feeling that I was going to make some haters with this review because I know that just before dawn is regarded as an absolute classic of the genre, and I don't see it that way. But as I've said, I fully admit that my opinion might change had I seen it in 81 because I was going to see horror in theaters in 81. I'm not sure if this was a theatrical release in the States, but I mean, I distinctly remember seeing stuff like my bloody Valentine Friday the 13th part two, um, you know, the thing I saw the thing in theaters. So, um, wait, that wasn't eight. Was that 81? No, Halloween two was 81. I know I saw a Carpenter movie in theaters in 81 as well. So anyway, the point is, is that I was solidly into horror when this movie came out. I just completely missed it. And if I hadn't missed it, I would definitely hold it in higher regard. That's all. I don't want to insult anybody who loves this movie, who thinks it's like one of their top five greatest, you know, horror films ever made. That's fine. All opinions are valid here. But like I said, had I seen it in 81, I think I would have liked it a little bit more. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense though because you know. Yeah, I, mean, I had already seen all the tropes had been established in my head by the time I saw this movie. So yeah, when I saw it, it, it was just tropey to me. It came out in the flurry of that like era. Once, once Friday the Thirteenth hit, um, that so many movies were just made in that style. And of course, you know, this features a semi different setting, but still, it's it's that it's very much that yeah. kind of movie. Still, you know, still a, a mongoloid child, you know, mm. abandoned, maybe not abandoned, but, you know, not taken care of in the woods the way he should be by a good parent. And they're left to their own devices. And, of course, they're just going to have fun and kill city folk. And I don't blame them because I'd probably do it, too. 
<laughs> That's the other All thing right. about eighties uh, camping movies is that the the characters that always went into the woods never had any respect for it. You know, like this one, at least it felt like these kids had the intention of hiking and, you know, doing actual outdoor activities, as opposed to a lot of the other ones where it's literally they just want to get drunk, get laid, get stoned and be done with it. Well, that's the other thing. It's like between the group of friends, it's like there's never the one that's like, you know, there's a 90 percent chance nothing goes wrong. But maybe we should bring equipment or something to uh, help us out if we do get into some kind of trouble. And I don't even mean with like crazy inbred rednecks, but like animals or someone takes a bad fall, like completely incidental stuff you would want to be prepared for. Yeah. I mean, even the doctors and rituals bought a hatchet with them, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. they at least bought a hatchet. They didn't use it, but they had it. So (laughs) I'll give them credit. But then of course that's the difference between, you know, a bunch of doctors in their late 30s, early 40s compared to a bunch of kids who probably don't even have a job yet going camping. So, you know, it makes sense that they would be more prepared. Oh, how about that fucking poor fucking, that guy in the beginning gets stabbed through his dick to his ass. Oh, man. That's that's (laughs) something that this movie did I've never seen before. Getting stabbed with a machete through your crotch. I mean, fucking through it. In the dick, out the ass. Ah. (laughs) <laughs> that was fucking painful. I mean, they definitely established a mood with that. I mean, because that's the very first kill of the movie. It's like literally two minutes into the movie, which is just so awesome. I mean, because they easily could have just gone through the midsection like everyone else does. The effect one of the best cheaper, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But yeah, they, they gave us a cringe ass worthy kill scene right at the beginning. So I will give the movie credit for that. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, that's something where, like, you kind of do a double take because when it first happens, you're like, wait, did is and you're trying to, like, look at on where the body of the machete is sitting. You're like, wait a minute. If that's where it's coming out of, where mm-hmm. did it have to go in? And you're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely I'm, I'm sure every man who's ever seen that scene has reacted. Maybe a few women, too, I'm sure. But definitely every man has been like, ow. And you just have the giggle in the background. <laughs> oh, right. It's just giggling, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. If anything, I wish they would have giggled more. Like, make it almost make it like Jason's, you know, kick him, mama sound effect, you know? Yeah. <laughs> make it like we hear that and we know they're around or something. It's like, oh, shit. There's the giggling. <laughs> oh, there's the whistle. Doo, doo. The whistle, yes. Damn whistle. <laughs> Um, cool. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our thoughts on these movies. Um, and episode number 44 of No More Room in Hell. But uh, before we get out of here, let's go around and find out where else everyone can be heard currently. So, Venom, I'll kick it to you to do that first. All right. As I mentioned earlier, No More Room in Hell presents Fresh Cuts. Our latest episode is uh, Night's End, uh, the Shutter original. That was recently dropped. Not sure. We're still not 100% sure what we're doing for the next episode, which records tomorrow. But I'm sure after we're done here, Mike and I will make a decision on what we're going to do so I can go ahead and watch that tonight. Um, And then the third part of the No More Room in Hell trinity is Creature Comforts. Creature Comforts Episode 7 has been released. It is available currently. We take a look at 1980s Alligator 
probably one of the most fun episodes we've had because I mean, w- without speaking hey, for Don and Derek, I fucking love Alligator. It's literally, it's one of my favorite guilty pleasures of all time. Absolutely adore that movie. And the fact that, you know, the fact that the alligator in the movie is named Ramon and we lost Razor Ramon the same week that we reviewed this movie. Uh, prepare yourself for a few Razor Ramon references in the episode. I'll just leave it at yeah. that. <laughs> so uh, that's episode seven of Creature Comforts. And as far as guest spots that I've done, I've done two recently. Um, one on cut to the chase where we took a look at the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. That is of course, Batman begins the dark Knight and the dark Knight rises. Uh, unfortunately we had some technical issues with the third part of the episode. So we're going to have to actually re-record it. So I'm not hundred percent sure when he's going to be releasing that. It's probably not going to be any time in the next week. I would, I would imagine sometime next week officially, uh, he'll put that episode out. Um, and then my other guest spot is on the Dark Parade with Bo Ransdell this week. It's funny, too, because I actually referenced Hell Knight a couple of times in this episode. And why did I reference it? Because I just reviewed it with Bo on the Dark Parade. Uh, we take we took a look at the Scream Factory Blu-ray and obviously reviewed the film and did our due diligence as Bo Ransdell always does. Anybody who listens to him knows he's an absolute champion of the podcasting world. So... Um, and good on Bo. And then you can also hear Bo on the next episode of my show, mine and Derek's show, Creature Comforts, where we will be looking at the relic on our next episode. So look out for that. And that's it for me, Mike. All right, Derek, how about you? Sure. Uh, I'll keep it nice and sweet and short. I have an episode that this was released as we were recording this of Cinema Attack, where we did a commentary on Gay Patolo's uh, film Skin Deep. Uh, yeah, this movie has a character played by Warwick Davis as plates. <laughs> and he throws plates at people. Hey, those like, are deadly plates. They are. They come everywhere. He has them buried in the ground and everything. Uh, there's a guy named Brain or Brian you'll find out why he's called that if you watch the movie but uh, yeah it's a fun time it was hilarious Uh, and then also I have a guest appearance also on Bo Ransdell's Dark Parade that should be actually out when this episode is out where we talked about My Bloody Valentine which is actually my favorite slasher film of all time, so that's kind of giving away my final rating of that movie. <laughs> so, anyways, spoiler alert, but listen to the episode because we go deep into it, other than that. It's actually one of my favorite episodes I recorded with Bo so far, so that tells you a lot. So, can't wait for you guys to hear that, but that's about it for me, Mike. All right, well, I'll keep it even more shorter and sweeter. Uh, nothing besides the main shows for me. So, got this. Um, if you're listening to this, that probably means the latest episode of Fresh Cuts is also out. So, check that out. I, I would say what it's on, but it, it feels like sometimes it's never 100% until we're actually recording. So, I almost don't even want to say what it probably will be the week that you're listening to this. I told you, um, it's going to be Porno Holocaust. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but uh, yeah. So who's uh, who's up next in the rotation? It's Venom's picks next. That's me. 
And I right. have no idea what I'm picking, so don't ask. <laughs> All right, so there you go. We didn't, For episode 45, we're on no idea status as of now. Um, <laughs> what sucks is that I was hoping that the – because April is my birthday month, and I was hoping that it would still fit in this month. But unfortunately, um, I'm busy the 17th, I'm busy the 24th, and then the following Sunday after that is May 1st, so it's not my birthday month anymore, so I don't know. So it kind of it kind of put a damper on my choices. So uh, I'm just going to rethink about it, and I'll let you guys know. Fuck yeah, it. sounds like anyway, we got time. Show. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> just pick movies, movies for my birthday. Pick movies for my birthday. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so what you're saying is not only is there no more room in hell, but there's no more room in April. Um, for the show yep. <laughs> for me at least I'm booked yep <laughs> <laughs> all righty well then I guess uh, listeners uh, we will catch you back here in May so uh, thanks everyone for listening time to descend back down to the lake of fire well, let's say bye to the listeners before we start sizzling <laughs> take care folks hail Satan don't Bye. go camping just Bring fucking horse. stay in the city <laughs> Just shove your throat, your fist through a monster's throat. <laughs> <laughs>